0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Will you be my life when I cannot see? When I can't take another step, Lord, will you carry me? And when I've lost my fight, will you be my strength? Will you set me a table in the presence of my enemies? I shall not want. I shall not want. Oh, my soul's got a shepherd in the valley, and I shall not want. I shall not want. I shall not Cause my car's running over, running over And I shall now And I will lift my eyes To where my hell comes from And I won't be afraid of the shadow Cause I've seen the No, I will not stop When the Cause the green only grows I'm Cross for a crown. No, this is not the end. And when you call my name, I will take my right. There's a mansion in glory, and you're gonna meet me there. I shall not. I shall not. every tear from my eyes, I shall not want. I shall not want. When He's on my side, I shall not want. I'll be home in His presence forever. I shall not want. For the Lord is my shepherd. In the valley. For the Lord is my shepherd when I'm lacking. For the Lord is my shepherd. And I shall not. Want
2: it.
1: I've got it.
0: in church this morning and I shall not want. I heard him say, I've got goodness and I got mercy. Hallelujah. And I shall not want. The scripture says, yea, though I walk through the valleys of the shadows of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil. And surely goodness and mercy Shall follow me all the days of my life And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever Oh, that's beautiful right there That's good news right there Amen goes right there this morning Hallelujah Thank you, Jesus I'm grateful and happy and thankful to be back this morning And I had a, a, a break I should say a vacation from the show But I continued to work and uh, wish I hadn't done it, wish I had left, but I didn't. I stayed, had house guests, and all kind of stuff went on. But nonetheless, God is faithful, and uh, he's gracious, and he's merciful, and he, he won't forget us. We're his people. We belong to him. And he won't forget us if we won't forget him. The key is to go to him in faith, believing, and trusting him for what we need or what we want. Because they know you walk through the valleys of the shadows of death. You don't have to fear evil. His rod and staff, they'll comfort you. He will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. But it takes faith and trust in him. We must believe. Hallelujah. And we want to believe that he is our glory this morning. A rewarder of them. Hey, that diligently seek him, constantly, continually seeking him, not what the news say, not what the newspapers say, not what is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Not none of this stuff, but what his word has said concerning us. Do you know what his word says concerning you this morning? If you're a believer and you're in the word of God and you're doing the very best that you can to obey his word daily. And you're keeping your mind on him. He's going to keep you in perfect peace. Oh, there may be a bunch of stuff going on, many things. You may be troubled, uh, something out of your past, something out of your childhood. But this is what his words said concerning you. Now that you belong to him, you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. No weapon. That is formed against you shall prosper. He didn't say it wouldn't form, but he said it won't prosper. It won't destroy you. It won't grow any bigger. It won't go nowhere but right there where it formed. And anything that won't form can form as long as it don't move or do nothing else. You're the first in him. You can do all things through Christ that strengthened you. You can do all things through his son who strengthened you. You can look to the ears from which comes your help because we must realize all of our help comes from the Lord. He made the heavens and the earth. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Hallelujah. But we got to get in him and let him get in us. We must make him the God of our lives because if he becomes Jehovah, becomes the God of your life, No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. All things must work together for your good. It may start out being rocky. It may start out feeling bad. But as we continue to look to the hills from which cometh our help, as we continue to keep our mind on him, as we continue to pray and seek his face, turn from our wicked ways, He's going to bring us out. God can deliver anybody from anything. God can deliver anybody from anything, but how do I get delivered? Uh, Sister Barbara, you got to go to him. Believing that he is. Believing that he can deliver you. Yeah, Believing that he have all power. There's no higher power. He's got the power to heal your mind. There are many, and they say they are Christians, and they are professing stressing, they are professing mental health. They're professing many things that belong to the devil. This don't belong to God. Depression does not belong to God. That belongs to the devil. And if you truly want to be closed in your right mind daily, all day, all the time, you got to go to him. And you got to tell him what it is. Go ahead and tell him. Lord, I'm overthinking. Lord, I'm overstressing. Lord, I'm worrying because worrying is a sin. And your word said that all things must work together for my good. I love you this morning. And you called me. Anybody he saved, he called. I went to the altar and said, I do to you. Not to the pastor, not to the church members, not to people, but to you, Father. And I know you're deliverer. I saw what you did with Daniel and the lion then. He used the lions as pillows. I saw what you did for Meshach, Shach, and Abednego. They come out of the furnace not smelling like smoke, not any smoke or soot on there. And if you can do it for them because you're the same God, you have not changed. And if you can deliver them, Father, I know today you can deliver me. Whatever the case may be, alcohol, drugs, uh, 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 fornication, adultery, whatever it may be, abuse, whatever it may be today, God can deliver you. And I know some women sit under an abusive man. They stay in an abusive relationship. And a lot of times they stay because of stuff and things. And a lot of times they stay because they fear, for their lie. Let me tell you something. God can turn it all around. But the only way he can do it, we must go to him. There's no other way. Go to him believing that he is. Go to him believing that he's going to do it for you because he loves you. If he allowed his son to suffer, to bleed and die, I know he'll deliver you from any situation that you can ever get yourself into. Because he don't put us in these situations. We put ourselves. Yeah, I was married at one time. And guess what? He didn't give me the man. I chose the man myself. He didn't give me to that man. That man chose me for himself. It ended up a disaster. It affected the children. So today, anything we go to God for and let him lead and guide us. Trust him with all your heart and lean out to your own understanding. In all your ways, he will acknowledge you. I want to share this a little bit. There was a situation And this involved a man many years ago. It looked like I couldn't shake it. I just couldn't stop thinking about it and trying to make it work It wouldn't work. Many years later, God showed me, had you married him, this is what your life would have been. (laughs) You wouldn't have me. Your children would have been really messed up much more than they are. You would have cried more than you laughed. Until this day, because I'm friends with everybody. Now, they may not be friends with me out my past. I'm friends with everybody. They may not consider me their friends. Because they couldn't get out of me what they wanted and they can't get out of me what they want today. But I am your friend because the word teaches to love. And in order to obtain friends, one must show himself friendly. But they have no idea, they have no clue that I'm truly your friend. Because they're not trusting God. They're trusting in the news, what they see in the world, what's on TV. And, you know, I was number one to recommend no TV. That that just wasn't me. Find something wholesome and healthy, godly on TV. But today, I don't recommend TV to nobody. I recommend you choosing movies that you'd like to watch or documentaries, and, and, and you buy them separate. And you can watch them on your TV most times if you got a DVD player But I don't recommend no type of Hollywood nothing, no type of TV nothing, no type of news. I'm seeing more and more what TV has done and is doing to people. People will follow TV before they follow God. I'm just telling you the truth this morning. I see the proof. But God can deliver today. He could deliver yesterday, today, and he can deliver forevermore. He's got the power. And he gave us some power. Oh, yes, he did. Power, love, and a sound mind. He gave us the power to make up our mind that this is not what we want to do anymore. But, Lord, I can't stop it. I need you to stop it. If I have demons, I need you to deliver me from them. God, I need you to cast out the demons. I'm not going to wait on a preacher. Oh no kind, a bishop, an apostle, nobody, Lord. I'm not waiting on these people. I want to be delivered today, and I need you to deliver me. I promise you, if you mean that, God will deliver you. When I tell you there are all kinds of demons. there are legions of demons. This is like over 3,000 demons can be in one person. I've seen people with different personalities. The day they blew. Tomorrow they green. The next day they purple. The next day they orange. The next day they yellow. Huh? These multiple spirits in these people. But I'm a living witness God can deliver. Many times in childhood traumas and different things people have gone through. It stay with them. Because who's going to deliver them? The only way we get delivered is God must do it. We must be delivered through him. He sent his son that we could be delivered. He sent his son that we could be saved. He sent his son that we could walk upright before him daily. Don't tell me whether I heard people say, oh, no, we can't do all of that. Listen, yes, you can. Yes, you can. The choice is yours. You make a choice to go to work every day, even when you don't feel like. And some job, they bring more work to you for the same pay. You yet stay there. Why? You choose to. And if you can choose that for man, you can choose God this day. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, you can. But the choice is yet yours today. And God will not force himself on you. Whosoever will, let them come. The scripture says, come unto me, all that are burdened and heavy laden, I. Who is I, Almighty God, will give you rest? Take your yoke upon me and learn of me. <laughs> hey, glory. Learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But many times, folks say they save and even say, saying folks, they try to treat God the way that they treat people, they use us. They try to get all they can out of him when they need it, when they feel they need it. The rest of the time, it's up to them. They lollygagging, they, they got their mind on worldly stuff, they got their mind on feelings. And I'm going to tell you this morning, we got to get rid of fleshly feelings. Bring that thing under subjection, unto God. Resist the devil. Every time, I don't care how many times it takes you to resist him. Resist him, he going to flee. It don't mean he won't come back, but he's got to go for that moment. And that give you time to cry out to God about the situation, whatever you may be going through. I've never seen mental health at an all-time high as I see it today. In my lifetime, I don't know what it was before me, and I'm sure it was bad. But during my lifetime today, that mental health demon is a fool. And even in leadership... And 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 killing people and allowing people to die is no problem for the world today. Oh, let them die. Let the elderly die. They done served their purpose. It's time to go. But that's still somebody's grandmother. That's still somebody's mother, aunt, uncle, cousin. Somebody love this person. Money, oh, my goodness, you've never seen money. <laughs> the love of it like you, well, I have it like I have today. I've never seen for the love of money the way that I see it today. But again this morning, God can deliver. God can set free. God himself can speak to the demons, and they got to go. He don't have to cast. He can speak, and they got to go. If we remember he spoke light into existence, all he said, let there be light and light appeared. He brought man from the ground and breathed the breath of life into man. So you want to tell me God can't deliver you from whatever's troubling you, from whatever's keeping you bound? You just got a desire to be free. You just got a desire not to be concerned about what people say. Because good or bad, people are always going to talk. He he was the one that brought me out of darkness into this marvelous light. And the scripture says a prophet won't be honored in his own home or his own country. And listen, well, his own hometown or country, I should say. And guess what? I see that for myself (laughs) because people remember when. Listen, I don't care how many phone calls I get because I've gotten some phone calls and it wasn't personal, you know, that I couldn't let nobody hear the conversation. But I got phone calls where people ask me questions, ask me for my opinion according to the scripture. And the house guests heard this, and they want to argue. So one day I just had to go in and hurt the feelings. I, I, it wasn't intentionally to hurt them, but I just went on and told them the truth. I said, "Do you think people call me?" <laughs> because they called it me for my personal advice. I said, these people want to hear what God says about their situation. And in order for you to call me and ask me these things, you have to trust me. Because I was trying to show, I am bob but I'm not that old bob I, I'm not the barber from 1992, but that new barber from 1993. For if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. If God used a chicken, a whale, and a donkey, he can use anything. And if he change you from the inside out, if he change your heart, if he give you a new heart, a new mind, you're going to think different, and you're going to do things different. But people so caught up into people and what people are doing until they can't see what the Spirit of God does through people. It's not that person you're supposed to praise and worship, but the God that used them. And we thank them for allowing God to use them. But I'm going to give God all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. Why, Barbara, God can deliver this morning. Today, right now, he can deliver. I prayed about this before I came this morning. I really went in prayer yesterday. And I was praying this morning, and it just come to me to let go. Well, you know it didn't come to me. The spirit of the Lord allowed me to know. let go. I got this. Because my prayer is that, Lord, don't let me give these people Barbara. Let me give nobody Barbara, but let me give them Jesus. He's the often finisher of our faith. He's our first and our last. He's our Lord of lords and King of kings. He's the great God. There's nothing too hard for Him to do. He and His Father they are one, according to the Scripture.
2: Miss Linda sent an image.
0: Yeah, and it's all right today, in Jesus' name. The songwriter said this, and I love it. Without God, I can do nothing. Hallelujah, Jesus. Without God, I would fail. Without God, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. You don't know where you're going, how you're going. If anything come up, it will affect you. Your feelings are involved in every little thing. You let your feelings take over. And the person that loves you and cares about you, you'll kick them to the curb, as they say. Told you where well, they did this and they did that. They can't love you. They don't care about you. If they did, they would have Listen, get rid of your feelings. Bring your flesh under subjection, unto God. Keep your mind on him. He's going to keep you in perfect peace. Try to remember, find good in everybody. He told us to love our enemies. I'm going to always teach that. So look, if you feel like somebody did something against you or to you, bring those feelings under subjection. That you don't have to associate with them anymore every day, every now and then. You, You don't have to deal with them anymore. But forgive. Let love abide and go on in Jesus so that that won't be a strike against you. I'm praying about that thing. I'm praying about it for myself. Because sometimes I feel like just let them go. But guess what? They need prayer. They need to be ministered to. And sometimes you just feel tired. I can't keep doing this, Lord. You see, every time I'm going to help them, look what they give me. I'm giving them bread. They keep coming back with bricks and sticks <laughs> and stones, Lord. I just want to let them go all together. If they go to hell, that's on them. And the Lord will tug at my heart. No, don't do that. Try again. And I keep trying. I said, but Lord, I'm the one getting bashed. I'm the one getting hurt. And it'll come to me, must Jesus the cross alone and all the world go free? No. There's a cross for everyone and I know there's a cross for me. You are not being pierced in your side. You're not being galled to drink, given gall to drink. You're not being beaten all night long. You never heard them say, crucify Barbara and release Barabbas. You never heard that. You are making it more than what it really is. So I have to bow in humbleness, repent, and pray that this don't find me in the same place again. If, when it comes back around, because the devil going to try to bring it back around. But Lord, don't let it find me in the same place, but that I've moved on in you to a higher height and a deeper depth in you, in your word as well. In Jesus' name. Because if ever there was a time to get serious about the bigness of God, now is that time. But you I, I, I see too why people are messed up. I see it. They follow a leadership that's messed up. You're gonna get to hear all about it. This week I got I, I got some testimonies for it. People operate out of feelings. What they feel. Not what you know. I, I pray that I operate out of what I know about God, what I know about his word. I'm going to see some things. I'm going to feel some things. People going to do some things. I'm trying to show love. They're trying to show me hate because they can't believe somebody can love them like that. Who going to love me to give me this? I've been evil to them, but they're going to come and give me good but I gotta go on in Jesus. I can't go in Barbara. It won't help Barbara. I can't stand alone. I got to stand on that solid foundation. And after standing on that, I got to stand some more his word because that word, sharper than any two-edged sword, that word is solid. It's settled in heaven, It won't return unto him, boy. But if I'm standing in my feelings, I'm about to be crushed and get worse. When I know that they hatred and bitter done come in me. Yeah. The same person. The person that said they feel with the Holy Spirit. Why? You're not guarding. You're not watching as well as praying. You're not careful about what you're doing. Yeah, but the scriptures say to love, and that's what we got to do. And I look back some days and I see people way back out the past. Some have attended a church service I went to, even out of Philadelphia, even out of New Jersey, way back in the day. And they come forth and say, hey, I was thinking about you, and I just wanted to drop your line today and let you know I still love you. <laughs> When you're coming back this way, I don't know. Because if God don't send me, no point in going. He have to send me in order for you to get him through me. In order for you to be blessed through me, he have to send me. Yeah. And when he send me, I know it. And I come to do the will of him that sent me. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank God this morning. Listen, I, I didn't really have a uh, exciting vacation or staycation this time. I didn't go anywhere. I, I really worked more than I, oh, that's all I could. Did a lot of cooking and baking. Mm-hmm. A lot of cleaning, dishwashing. Oh my goodness. But nonetheless, God is faithful. And it was unto him, not unto me. And again, I come to do the will of him that sent me. It was his will, so I had to obey. And I'm thankful. Now that he he he's coming back and he's gonna give me what I really want. My heart's desire is to spend a month vacation doing what I really want to do. No phone, no door, no nothing. My microwave caught a fire and it took a while, but hopefully this week the insurance is going to bring that new microwave. They sent me the link to go choose one, you know, like the one I had. So I have a stainless steel stove, so they even sent me some stainless matching steel microwaves to look at. I was blessed with many different things. Oh, I worked. I'm telling you, my brother called me for some shoes and told me what kind of shoes to buy. Whether I had money or not. But the Lord opened the door and made a way, and I was able to get the shoes. Two different pairs. And the Lord touched his heart and he gave me my money back. Come on now. <laughs> all it is, oh, and I had to drive way over to the next city to deliver the shoes and to hear the complaint, you know. But God is faithful. If we are faithful to him and if we remember, he's in control. And all we got to do is say, Lord, would you fix this? Lord, lead me in this because I, 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 I'm tired of a lot of them kind of frustrated with this. Leave me in this. That's how we got to simply say and be willing to receive the way out that he give us or what further to do, you know, because he's always going to give me a soft answer that would turn away wrath. Because I really wanted to get my brother and say, look, I'm not rich. What, what's going on over here? But I couldn't do that. And it's my biological brother that we grew up in the, in the same house. He know me and I know him but I couldn't do it that way. The Lord had another plan, another purpose. Woof! And blessed me out of it. Do y'all hear that? I got blessed for doing this. And this is what I'm talking about. God can deliver us from anything we want to be delivered from. I'm frustrated today. Lord, I want to hate them people that did all of this to me. Lord, I just want to shoot them all down. Now, I got to think like that. I don't have to tell them that. Lord, Help me. Show me what to do that it would be pleasing unto you, and you can accept what I'm doing. Because I want to do what pleases you, and I only want to do what you will accept. Show me the way. Show me how to go about this. Have some patience. Because a lot of times we want it instantly. We want it right now, right now. But my heart desire is to teach the truth about God. My heart's desire is to teach what pleases God. Not what the world will accept and not what will draw people. Because his word will draw people. Praising him, lifting him up will draw people. I just want to tell the truth. I just want to share the true meaning of God, the true meaning of his word. Because we're in a world now tit for tat. I've seen people who say they're Christians, they say they're saved. If I like something they post, then they'll like something I post. If I don't like what they post, they won't like what I post. If I don't give them anything, well, I have to give them many times, ten times more. Then they give me, then they may see, oh, she's kind-hearted. Let me give her this. That's the Christian way. Again, this morning, must Jesus battle cross alone? Because if you're living a happy, happy life and the enemy don't come against you or nothing, go back to the altar, please, and make sure you got what you thought you got the first time. Because must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No. There's a cross for everyone, and I know there's a cross for me. And I want to pick up my cross. I want to bear it. I want to follow Jesus. Hallelujah. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And without God again today, we can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. Hallelujah. Let's go to this one this morning. Thank you. bring us through the day. And so we're grateful unto him this morning. Listen, we're going to prayer, and after prayer, I'm going to start the first testimony of the morning, right after prayer. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for another Tuesday morning. We thank you for our life, our health, and strength. And Father, we may not have all that we desire, but Father, we know that you're able to see us through. Many things come our way, many troubles, oh God. Things out our past, things from our childhood. And Lord, these things want to linger. They want to take us back and many times have us in unforgiveness, hating, and try and instill bitterness in us. But we know you're a deliverer this morning. We know that you're the God who can set us free. And we come this morning, bow down. Asking, oh God, that you would set us free today, that you would deliver us from all evil in the name of Jesus. Father, don't let us hate nobody. Don't let hurt continue to dwell in us that we'll hurt others. But, Father, we want to be totally delivered. We want to be totally set free. And only you can do this for us today. Do it for each and every caller, each and every listener this morning. In the name of Jesus. Do it for me today, oh God. We all stand in the need of deliverance and being set free. But Father, the enemy is yet at work, and he never stops. And we know that we can do all things through Christ who strengthened us. We can do all things through your son Jesus who us. strengthen us. Strengthen us this morning that we come out, oh God. Come out to walk in the spirit that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Come out this morning that we walk by faith and not by sight. Help us today, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Every caller, every listener, those coming through the archives and the podcast, Lord, whenever they hear this message, do it for them today. Whenever they hear this prayer, do it for them. Right then and there, in the name of Jesus. There's nothing too hard for you to do. Father, with man, things are impossible, but with you, all things are possible. Turn it around today for each and every one good. We bind up every evil and hindering and negative spirit that's coming our way. Anything that's not Jesus, we bind it up and cast it to the pits of hell, never to return in the name of Jesus. And Father, we ask that you would rebuke the devourer today for our sake. Let this week be a week of freedom. Let this week be a week of spirit walking, spirit talking, Bible study, Bible remembering, keeping our mind on you. Let this be a week of that in the name of Jesus. And Father, by the weekend, we'll see a big difference in our lives. Oh, we thank you this morning. There's nothing too hard for you to do. Bless your people, Lord. Open up financial doors for your people. Mm. Father, you know what they need today. Many need food. Some people are concerned about Thanksgiving. But, Lord, we want to be thankful unto you for all you've done for us from January to November and on through December. God, we want to be thankful unto you. We're not celebrating a tradition of Thanksgiving. We're celebrating what you've done in our lives this whole entire year. And that, God, we can come together with family for a good meal. We can come together with family and friends for a good, thankful meal. we thankful for the food that you put on the table. Oh, do it for each of us this year in the name of Jesus. Father, stretch my hand, bless my hand that I can give to those that are in need this Thanksgiving season. Those that are in need this Christmas season. God, I'm going to just say the holiday season moved by your spirit. In the name of Jesus Let me give to your people here on Jesus in the morning If it be your will Open doors that Lord I'm able to give to them this year In the name of Jesus Bless every household represented Every family member Every friend near and far this morning Those that are on the job God I ask that you would make it better than it has ever been On the job Let them go above and beyond And let the people see Jesus in them. They may not know exactly what it is, but God, they know there is just something so good and different about this person. Do it on the job for your people today. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hey, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Those that are sick here today, oh, God, touch and heal. You heal all matter of sickness and disease. You took a beating for the healing of the nation. And Father, there's yet healing in the hymn of your garment. And we're pressing in to touch for healing this morning. In the name of Jesus, bless the elderly that come here. Bless the seniors, oh God. Move for them and give them life, God. Give them energy like never before. And let them know they're not alone. Oh, but that you love them today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I give you glory. I give you honor and praise. And, Father, we are asking all of this this morning in Jesus' name. Bless this segment of Jesus in the morning. Have your way here today. Oh, move by your spirit, Father. Bless your people like never before this day. In Jesus' name, we ask it all. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank him this morning for hearing we thank him for answering. Can't thank you enough, Father. Or oh, we give you glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. for there's none like you. Or oh, we can search all over. We won't find nobody. Nobody greater than him. So we're going in. Well, right quick, I want to read this quick scripture. And then we're going right in with that first testimony. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10 says this. Who delivered us from so great a death and doeth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us? Deliver us. Over in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 17, it says, If it be so our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Deliver us today, O God. We want to be delivered. Hallelujah. Psalms 22 and 8 says, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. That's a key word. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Look at David. When we go back and look at David, look what he did for David. Brought him out. Saul so was going to kill David. It wasn't no joke. God delivered him. He showed him how to, every which way and being he needed to go. All down in caves on the other side of the cave. But God brought David out and made him king. Again this morning, ask yourself, must Jesus bat a cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone. And I know there's a cross for me. It not, may not be that easy. But if you endure, God will deliver you. He'll bring you out. Hallelujah. I wanted to share that. And we're going straight to the testimony.
3: So I said, that's how I'm going to do it. I rigged my cell so that way it could stay unlocked. And I remember the day like it was yesterday. Everybody was out for breakfast. And they were moving around, going in the line, going to get their food. And when everybody uh, went back in their cells, it's time for it to close. But my cell was rigged a certain way so that way it will close but won't lock. And then when the officer made his last round, I was going to leave out and hang myself. I had everything ready, prepared. I was sitting on my bunk, and I started just contemplating it, seeing it in my head. There was a, something inside was just, like, not convinced. I didn't even have nothing on my mind. I just felt inside like there has to be another way. I don't even know where that came from at the time. Man, but I promised. The moment I said that, I heard the voice of God in my cell said, try me. Life before Jesus, I would probably say that in maybe two words, I would say not Jesus. (laughs) Um, I say that because growing up in Washington, D.C., neighborhood, it was called Paradise, right? (laughs) Funny name to name a project neighborhood called Paradise. Growing up in that neighborhood, you have a lot of crime, violence, drugs, um, no gangs. Like in DC, it's more like neighborhoods. So like whatever neighborhood or street you was from, that was kind of like your, your thing, what you represented, but it still come with the same, you know, nonsense, the same drama, the same vicious mentality, crabs in a basket, right? Um, I had my mom, my dad, my two sisters, um, and we actually went to church though, but. It's funny, the reason why I say, like, not not Jesus, because we went to church, but I knew nothing about Jesus. Like, nothing. Um, my mom played Kirk Franklin a lot. And it was weird because I remember one time he had this nice song, and I liked it a lot, that when I was, like, preparing drugs and stuff to sell on the corners, I was like, I want to hear that song. So I was, like, bagging drugs to Kirk Franklin. <laughs> so it was really confusing to know like, okay, my parents are in church. We're going to church as a young age, but I don't know what to do with this life. I didn't even consider it a lifestyle. It was just like, you go to church. Church is in your neighborhood, right? This is where people go when they want to feel better and get ready for the week. That's what I thought church was. I didn't have a desire for God, a desire for church. I didn't have a desire for anything spiritual. All I knew was when I come outside, it's, Hundreds of people in my neighborhood, because I'm from a project, the difference between projects and different streets is that you have even gates that surround you, that enclose you in, right? Or there's different buildings that make up like one neighborhood. So it's not like streets with cars passing by. It's like everybody that lives here, come outside. So it can be 200 people outside at, at one given time. So I knew when I come outside, that's what I see. I see money. I see nice cars. I see clothes, fancy clothes. I also see just the, like, people quote-unquote loving each other and being family. Because in my house, the structure for family wasn't as strong as now I know it could have been, right? So when I go outside, they happy to see you outside. It's nothing like being in the house, getting ready, like maybe brushing your teeth, and then you get a knock on the door. And it's your friends, like, you coming outside? They already beat you outside. Like, that feels good that somebody wanting to hang with you, right? That's what I kind of gravitated to, because in my house, we had struggles. We had struggles. My dad was the only one working. My mom has complications, right? So she couldn't work a lot. Um, She's have hearing complications, so she couldn't get certain jobs. Me and my sisters, we're around the same age. We're young, so of course we're not working. My dad was struggling. It was a lot. I actually look back now and I honor him for the hard work that he had to put in but back then as a kid, you just look at it like you don't have nothing. And you look at your parents like they're not doing anything for you. You see other kids and we all live in the same community, right? but why do they have and I don't have? So in my house, nobody really cared for each other that much or showed that they did. right? It was always about my dad trying to survive. My mom trying to be content with her situation. My sister's trying to make it out here as females and me, Now I'm in the streets. And that's how I lived my life growing up. I began, you know, doing street things around 12 years old. I started selling drugs at 12. I remember a time when I went to someone's house and he literally sold the drugs to me at 12 and thought nothing of it. And from that day moving forward, I was a drug dealer. And people would literally buy drugs from me, adults, people, moms. It was some of my friends, parents, who would buy drugs from me. Some of them knew, some of them didn't know. So when that would happen, I didn't feel like power, but I felt like, like man, I can take this and build upon it and, and have something of my own because when you grow up in an environment that's like kind of rocky and shaky. You want something for yourself. You want something you can call your own. You want something that nobody can take from you, that you can make for yourself and survive. So I thought that being a drug dealer, right, was like I was going to make a name for myself because in D.C. you got all these big drug dealers, right? I mean, you can turn on YouTube and just type in drug dealers from D.C. and you would see all types of drug dealers. And I thought in my mind that one day I will be someone that somebody look up to or look up and see his lifestyle. Because that's how I felt. It's weird when you can feel like you're good at doing something bad. Like you're good at it. And lo and behold, living that lifestyle for what I would say from 12 to 22. 10 years straight. It, it caught up to me. Right? I tried to do as much as I can to make a name for myself. I had all of my friends. I literally taught them, like how to sell drugs, right? I remember one time I went on my to my best friend's window. Um, he lived on the first floor, and I had to like reach my hand up through the like black gate on the window, cause it's like got black gates on it, because on in the projects and when you're in a bad neighborhood, those gates are there because like you're in a bad neighborhood, and somebody can just climb in through your window, right? Um, So they put those black steel gates around your window. So I had to stick my hand through there and kind of tap on his window. And I was like, hey, you trying to make some money? I'm selling drugs now. Like, come with me. And I bought him on a team and all my other friends, and we selling drugs. But with selling drugs, you got to now protect what's yours because you got other people that don't like what you're doing. You got other people that's looking at you, seeing you one way down, and now you got money, and they like, they want to take what you have. So we had to start carrying guns. So I was carrying a gun from 12 years old. A 12-year-old carrying a gun around. I'm sneaking guns in school. I'm riding with guns on the bus. Like, at 12 years old. I can't imagine now, at 12, like, seeing a 12-year-old, walking to see him, and he has a gun on him. I couldn't imagine that, but that's what I was doing, trying to protect what was mine. And when you're carrying guns, you even get locked up with it, or you have to use it. And In my case, it was a situation where I used it. I used a gun to take somebody's life at 22 years old. I look back now and I regret that situation with everything that that I have in me. I see so many ways it could have went, but it happened. I understand now that everybody has a decision to make. You're not forced to do anything, you know. In those times and in those moments where you feel like, I just have to do this, I wish somebody would have told me, no, you don't. No, you don't. There's always options, right? There's always options. Depending on your environment, it'll speak to you and tell you, like, how to think, how to react. And back then, I didn't choose the right environment to be around, and it led me to taking someone's life. I remember a time when I was locked up and I was talking about my situation to someone and they looked at me and said, that's not normal. And I thought that was a weird response to me telling them my story. I was like, what do you mean that's not normal? He's like, you're telling it as if like you had to do it, like it's normal, like it's the normal reaction to something. And it was like, people just don't walk around with guns. That's that's not a normal thing to do. Wow. And, and it hit me. <laughs> And I was like, it's not, it's not the norm. It kind of woke me up in that moment. But now I'm locked up and I'm faced with a life sentence for first degree murder. And I'm sitting in that cell, man. And reality struck as soon as those mechanical doors started moving by themselves. And it's making like a clanging sound like clanging, and then it go, boom, it slams to let you know. That you can't pry this open. You can't wiggle your way out of this. You're here. And I was sitting there like, wow. I'm here. I'm faced with a decision in my life where I thought I was taking control. Now I don't have no control. No control in my life. I thought that the thing that I was doing with my life was what needed to be done. But now I'm here facing my life and I don't have no control. And I'm sitting there pondering. Prison is so loud. It's so loud in jail. Just imagine 120 people, at least one person talking to somebody. That's 60 conversations going on at one time. It's so chaotic. It's hard to think. It's hard to like, (laughs) like relax. It's just loud noise all day. So I'm sitting there trying to think, trying to ponder on my life. But it's so much confusion around I'm sitting on my bunk and I'm like, how did I end up in this situation? How did my life get here when I simply thought that where I grew up and the things that was happening, this is this is what I need to do. But now I'm faced with this decision. And the thing is, you know, you special or, you know, like like God is singling you out when you're the only one that usually go down for things that other people are seemed like they're getting away with. But in that moment, I wasn't thinking like that. I was trying to get out of there. Because in my neighborhood, people find a way out. Thinking back then, the way my mind was, when you locked up for, like, murder or a violent charge that involves someone losing their life, you know, they say that that's the hardest thing to convict someone of. So my mind was like, I can get out of this. And I was sitting on my bunk just thinking, how am I going to win in this situation? How am I going to get out of this? Two things came to mind. I said, I do not want to spend the rest of my life in prison. That's not an option. I am not going down. That is not the way that I thought my story was going to be. That is not how I thought people were going to talk about me and my name would be passed down through the streets. I was like, no. And I didn't want to come back out and have to live the same way and potentially have to continue to do those type of things. I wasn't, I didn't want that either. And I didn't want no one to take my life either. So I said, I know how I could win. I'll just take my own life. And I thought about it. And it made sense. It made sense. Not because I was going through a lot of pain or stress or pressure. It made sense because I still wanted to be in control. To the point where I was willing to take my own life just so I can still stay in control of my destiny. That's vicious. And I was convinced because That's what pride would do. Pride makes you convinced of things that you believe you can control. So I said, okay. Talking to myself, I'm like, this is it. I never thought that I'll get to this point, but this is it. I'm like, okay. And the type of person I was, if anything came to my mind to do, I never really second-guessed it. And I didn't care what nobody else thought about it. I didn't think about family. I didn't think about writing a note or leaving something behind for no loved one. I had a son at the time who was two. I didn't think about him. I just was like, this is how I want my story to be. It's so strange because I look back now and I'm like, how did I think that winning was taking my life? So it was in that moment I said, I'm, I'm just going to plan it. I planned it. I figured out how I can rig myself to keep it unlocked. So that I can run out on a top tier, because in prison, some prisons anywhere, or most of them, majority have two tiers. You have a bottom tier so you have cells around, and in the middle there's like tables where people eat, and then you have a top tier, it's cells around, right, with nothing in the middle, just a space. Usually when you come in a prison, you have a silent port where there's a hallway and a door. So it's like the outside of the, the, the prison um, tier that you're on has an outside door. You come in, then you have to wait inside of a room. And then there's another door that you get buzzed in. So I said, okay, it'll take at least a minute or two for the guards to run to this tier. Then they have to get buzzed in. Then they have to wait for that door to close and then get buzzed in another door. So I'm like, I have some time to run out my cell, run to the top tier and hang myself. And it'll be at least three, four minutes before they come to get me, if not longer. That's if they even want to come because the guard on the tier can't do anything because they have to maintain the tier for the rest of the inmates. They can't just run to one situation. They have to call for help. So they literally will have to watch me hanging on the speaker calling for help. And they might not even want to come. So I said, that's how I'm going to do it. I rigged my cell so that way it could stay unlocked. And I remember the day like it was yesterday. Everybody was out for breakfast and they were moving around. Going in the line, going to get their food, and when everybody uh, went back in their cells, it's time for it to close. But my cell was rigged a certain way, so that way it will close but won't lock. And then when the officer made his last rounds, I was going to leave out and hang myself. I had everything ready, prepared. I was sitting on my bunk, and I started just contemplating it, seeing it in my head. Because looking back now, I realize everything that you see. Like what you see yourself doing, you're more than likely gonna do it if you see yourself doing it. If you can just, if you walk through it, you'll you'll and see yourself doing it. It's gonna happen. So I was picturing what it's gonna feel like, what it's gonna be like, and I was ready. I sat up on my bunk. A couple of tears started rolling down my eyes. My cell buddy went to sleep, and I said, "This is it." But then immediately something was inside of me. I started thinking about like people. I started thinking about my son. I started thinking about life. And in that moment, I said, man, it has to be another way. This was literally the first time I ever decided to change my mind on something that I wanted to do. But I felt like there was a, something inside was just like not convinced. I didn't even have nothing on my mind. I just felt inside like, there has to be another way. I don't even know where that came from at the time. Man, but I promise, the moment I said that, I heard the voice of God in my cell said, try me. And it wasn't like spooky or like the movies or like I had to look up and try to figure out like where's this voice coming from, no. It went from me saying, okay, this is about to happen to sitting up saying, wait, it has to be another way to hearing God's voice say, try me. I knew, I knew that it was God. It's like inside of me. I just knew it was a knowing, like, I didn't say, who is that? Right. I was just like, I know it was like, this voice was so familiar. Like I just knew it. And it brought so much freedom and joy to me in that moment. I'm thinking about it. I can see it. Like I can see the day and I can see myself just literally transitioning from crying to about to take my life to hearing God's voice and just immediately feeling loved. And my very next words were, you want me? You want me? I said, you want my life? And right after that, I said, you can have it. I just started talking to like God, talking to Jesus like, you can have it. You can have it. You can have my life. You can have it if you want it. You can have it. And then I started making declarations. I was like, I live for you. I never turn my back on you. I never turn my back on you. I live for you. I live for you. Like out of nowhere. (laughs) I just started saying this like he was sitting right there in front of me. I said, if you want my life, you can have mine. I said, you didn't turn your back on me, I won't turn my back on you. I'll never leave you. And I said that for probably about maybe 10 minutes straight. I just kept saying the same thing over and over and over. My tears dried up. The feelings of taking my life went away. And I just sat there and just was just praising God. And next thing you know, it was time to come out in the morning for, like, early showers. And I ran to the phone and called my mom and told her what just happened. And she was rejoicing and praising God. My life before Jesus, no joy. Because looking at that moment and the joy I felt knowing that God, like God, like not a religious figure. I'm talking about God. Not a sermon that came back to mind. I'm talking about God. Like he came in the cell with me and said, try him. Me? A murderer? I'm in prison for murder. (laughs) You would think that somebody like that deserves to die. You would think that a God's response to someone breaking his law or committing something like that, that he would pass by them and choose someone else that's seemingly more worthy or a better candidate. And I think back and I just say, I didn't have no questions like, why me at first? Those questions came kind of later. But in that moment, I was thinking, like, you're that good? (laughs) The God that I went to church to sit there and try to not fall asleep and watch everybody pray and praise you and, you know, preach about you like you're really real and you're actually good. I was amazed that he would want me. And I felt so loved. And I realized my life before Christ didn't have true love. It didn't have it. Because now I know what it is. Yes, you have family who love you, and they they do their very best. But I'm talking about that no-judgment love, that take-your-place type of love, you know? The love that understands where you are and know where you are. My life before Christ was full of a lot of anxiety, stress, comparison, I compare myself to people all the time. Because in the neighborhood that I grew up in, you have status. It's status everywhere. You got people that's popular. You have people that's getting money. You have your athletes. You have status all around you. So comparing yourself is easy and simple. Like, that's what you do. And you try to be better or, you know, hang around people that's doing good. So my life without Christ, I dealt with a lot of comparison. Not content with who I was. Didn't even know who I was, but in Christ now, finding him or him finding me that day, like knowing where I was and revealing himself to me. It's like if God himself accepts me and wants me like right now, you want to do life with me. You want me to be yours like right now. It's through comparison out the window. Because what do I have to compare myself to any, anybody now for when God himself says he accepts me? Now, the acceptance part, I struggle with that even in Christ. The comparison, I didn't compare myself. But the acceptance, man, the enemy came at me hard with that. He literally, now I know I look back, I knew it was him. He literally would plant thoughts to say that, yeah, you saved, but you still going to die. Like your life isn't going to in anything. Like, you're still going to die. God just saved you so that way you can just die and go to heaven. Like, you're not going to live long. You're not going to have a blessed life. You still have to pay for what you did. That shame, that guilt, and that condemnation came like a flood immediately after salvation because I started thinking about all the things that I've done and the thing that had me in prison. So I'm still in prison, (laughs) and I'm still facing this charge. And now I have Jesus, so I have to face what I did with Jesus, and I struggled. I struggled with believing that his acceptance was, like, complete. I struggled with believing that all of the emotions of guilt and shame weren't real because it felt real. Those feelings felt like God loves you, but you got to still pay, and I lived with that almost my entire time in jail. I thought that God saved me, but he still needed to exact some type of restitution from my life. And I couldn't live free. I couldn't live free in him. I would be serving God, praising God, loving on God, loving people, being a witness for him, and then going in my cell and beat myself up. And bang myself over the head like with a hammer, like a like a, a invisible hammer. Just tearing my thoughts up. I knew his love was real because in my heart, and it's like the same moment that happened, I lived that moment every day. I can feel his presence with me. I knew he was with me. But when it came to my thoughts that I was thinking, it wasn't like correlating. I, it's like I knew, but my thoughts were saying something different. I knew he forgave me, but my mind was telling me that, no, you have to pay. I knew that he still wanted to use me, but then my thoughts was like, only to a certain limit because nobody like you can't fully be used. And it literally, like, tortured me to the point where it even was messing up my physical body. I was under so much shame and guilt that my body started reacting to it. I would wake up with pains in my body out of nowhere, went to the prison hospital, got x-rays done, they couldn't find anything. It would be so bad that my entire skeleton from, like, my face to my shoulders, my arms, fingers, legs, knees, chins, toes were in pain. I couldn't even walk around the jail. I couldn't go out to eat sometimes. I had to stay in my bed. I had to get my, cell, my cellmate to sneak me back full from the child hall because I was in too much pain to walk. And when you injure yourself in prison, that's that's not a good thing because it's people who prey on, like, like people who injured, you got people who are on drugs in jail. You got people who are in gangs and they look for people that's weak that they can prey on. So if you're injured, they don't care if you're a Christian. They don't care if you preaching in the church or in the, in the church in the jail, they don't care because if they're in a gang or if they're on drugs, they need to even get their fix, pay back somebody or do what they have to do for their gang. And they're going to choose the easiest target. So if I'm walking around limping and on crutches, then they can easily take advantage of, advantage of that. So I wasn't going out to eat sometimes because I didn't want to be a prey to that. My body would be, I would literally have to cry myself to sleep. So much pain. I'm crying out to God. Like, if you save me, why am I going through this? If you actually do love me like you say you do, why isn't this going away? Like, I was remembering because I'm reading a word, of course, getting in my Bible. Certain things was coming to my mind. That I'm asking God about. Like when he told Paul how many things he'll have to suffer for his name. So I was like, am I suffering for your name? Like is this what it means to suffer for your name? God wasn't answering. He was quiet. So here I am, still got this charge. I'm telling people all about Jesus. Yet I'm going through this in my body. And God isn't answering me. I don't hear his voice anymore like he spoke before. I'm thinking he left. Because in my mind, I computed, if something's happening to you, then I mean, God has done it, and he's not there. Like, if it's not being fixed, then he's not there. Like, I computed, if something's bad happening, or something wrong is happening, then God is off doing something else, and he allowed it to happen, and he don't want no parts of it. That's what I thought. Because I still didn't have any enough experience with him. Like, he was teaching me at the time. So I was complaining. <laughs> I was complaining to God, crying, fussing. I probably called him some names. I was still growing him up. I probably said some things to God that, (laughs) and I can't remember one time where he spoke back. It's quiet. I wasn't used to that. I was used to him. Good morning. How you doing? (laughs) And talking to me. And we talking back. I'm reading the word and he's speaking, revelating me. To now, going through this, I don't hear nothing do realize something that was happening though without him speaking I realized that I was still able to have faith because I was looking back and I was even questioning myself one time man this is it's like I'm reliving it right I can I can feel the emotion of it I was asking myself why are you even why haven't you stopped I was asking myself that like if you're upset with God and God is seemingly like has left he saved you and he gone he saved you, and you know he's on to the next person to say, why you, why haven't you stopped going so hard for him? I was asking myself that why are you still fasting and praying and worshiping God and preaching and ministering and leading people to Christ why are you still going so hard? And I realized that in those moments when he wasn't speaking, it was like strangely taking me deeper in love with him because I realized that in those moments when I hear his voice. It's fun. It's exciting. It brings joy. But then at times when he wasn't speaking, I was really seeing what I was made of in him. If I'm really doing this for him. And I was able to know that I'm doing it for him. And it wasn't just a moment that happened and I'm just super excited and living on this euphoria and this high. Because right now I'm going through it. And even to this day, I still have those same complications in my body. The pain of it is in there, but I still have it in my body. It's gotten better since then, but it's still there. And fast forward, when it was time to face the judge for my charge, I remember being in a behind the courtroom in a bullpen, right? They call it a bullpen because it's like, that's not the actual name of it, but think about it, bulls. Like they're in this pen and they're all in there together, right? And it's like they're all waiting to be released. So they call it a bullpen because it's a bunch of animals, right, and in people that are so-called vicious in one space waiting to be released. So I was in the bullpen, and I was like, God, whatever's, ha- whatever's going to happen today, I just give you the rights to do it. I didn't want to lie about what happened. I was at the point in my walk where I wasn't going to lie. I wasn't going to make up some story and say, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. I told God that whatever I have to say, I'm just going to tell the truth. And whatever your decision is, God, I'm I'm good with that. And I got sentenced to 20 years. I come out of the courtroom. I say my little spiel with the judge because they ask you, you know, do you have anything to say after they sentence you? I say my spiel. I go back to the, to the jail. There was a pastor that was incarcerated. I know, right? A pastor being incarcerated. And when he saw me come back, he knew I went to court. When he saw me come back, he asked me, he's like, how much time did you get? How much? Because everybody at that time knew me for serving the Lord, right? They knew me for praising God. They knew me for being a witness for Jesus, even around the whole entire jail. So this pastor, he was on a whole nother tier and he knew of me. So he said, what happened? And I told him, I said, I took 20 years. I took a plea deal. That's what I feel like God had told me to do. And he was like, you sure? And I'm like, yeah. I said, because I was talking to my lawyer on the phone. And he asked me, like, did I want to take this plea deal or go to trial? At first, I told him I wanted to go to trial because I said, I've been preaching and teaching the gospel to people for all these months. Now it's time for me to show the faith, to show that I believe God. And for me doing that was going to trial. But for some strange reason, my lawyer, he wasn't feeling that decision. He said, man, you can't go to trial. You can't go to trial. And I'm like, what's going on? Why are you saying that? he was like, please, you just cannot. You need to take this plea deal. You cannot go to trial. Now, it was weird because lawyers, they don't get involved like that. They don't give their opinion, their personal opinion. So with that, he's putting himself on the line for giving a personal opinion. But it was, I guess it was something in him trying to convince me. I don't know if God was using him or not at the time. He wasn't a Christian. But what he said to me, he was like, man, you've been such a witness to my life. He said, I don't even pay nobody, no attention when they tell me they gave their life to God, they're living for God, they're reading their Bible. He said, I don't pay no mind. He said, can you you imagine how many people I I serve who say that? He was like, but it's something different about you. And in my heart right now, I feel led to tell you that. So I was like, I don't know. So I had my mom on the phone, and and I said, Mom, what you think? She said, whatever you feel like God is telling you, son, I stand by you. And she told the lawyer that. The lawyer went so far to say, call his dad. And I'm like, wait, something is happening on his phone. <laughs> this lawyer is risking everything to convince me. Like, and I, and I felt like it didn't have to do with money. It didn't have to do with anything. I just felt like something is up. I need to be paying attention to what he's saying. But I just said, I'm sorry, but I'm going to trial, man. I'm trusting God. Whatever God going to do, he's going to do it this way. i hang the phone up. I run in my cell. I lay down on the floor and I started crying. The moment I closed my eyes, I saw a picture of a ram when I closed my eyes. And I know exactly what that meant from like reading the word because that's what happened in the Bible. God used the ram so that Abraham wouldn't have to kill his son. Because it's a picture of Jesus being our substitute. And he told Abraham, he said, now I know you trust me. And those words rang in my head. Now I know you trust me. I said, I ran back to the phone so fast. I was like, I was like, mom, call the lawyer back. I know what God want me to do exactly. And she's like, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, yes, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But call him back now. She called him back. No answer. I'm like, oh my gosh. Call him. Call him again. No answer. I'm like, oh my gosh. Call mom. Please call back. Try again. Try again. Call back. He answered. He was like. Mr. Douglas I was like, yes, yes, yes. He's like, man, I'm I'm walking out my office right now. I'm like, listen, I know exactly what I want to do. I heard from God. I said, I'm not going to trial. I'm taking a plea deal for 20 years. He's like, are you sure? I was like, yes, I'm positive. I heard God. So he's like, okay, praise God. So then, boom, <laughs> he was so happy. So I told the pastor that. That asked me, right, why I took the plea deal, and I was, and that's, that's why. So he was like, oh man. He was like, no, man, not you. You can't do 20 years, man, not you. And in my mind, I'm like, I ain't nobody special, man. You know, I'm like, whatever God got, this what he got. So he walked out the room. And they had this glass, right, that you can see outside of the room. And he leaned up against the glass, and he came right back in in, like, seconds, probably like five seconds, came right back in and said, the Lord just told me to tell you, you're only going to do 10 years. And I smiled, and I said, praise God. (laughs) Because you don't want to just, you know, deny people and stuff. So I said, praise God. I received that. Praise God. Thank you, man. Thank you. So I went back, and like I said, it's the 20 years. The day comes when I have to go and where I'm going to spend my time, and there's a lady walking with me. She has my paperwork in her hand, and she looks at me, and she looks at the paperwork. She looks at me and she looks at the paperwork with a strange face. She shook her head, and sucked her teeth, and smacked her teeth. She said, y'all kids just don't respect life. And I just didn't say anything. Just kept walking. Thought it was kind of rude for her to just blurt out. But, I mean, I know my charge. I know what I was, you know, guilty of. So I just took it. And then she say, why you don't have a lot of time if you took somebody's life? What you told on somebody? Did you snitch? Like, she was really rude. And I looked at her and said, what do you mean, a lot of time? I said, 20 years is a lot of time. She said, you don't have 20 years. She said, you don't know how much time you got? I'm like, yeah, 20 years. And she said, I can't show you, but it don't say that on here. And I said, you're going to have to show me if something else say if it say something else on that paper. So she took the paper. Because it has everybody, it has their name and their charge and all of that stuff on it. She took the paper. My name was like maybe like this far from the sheet. She folded it this way. Then she took the bottom half and folded it this way. So it could just show my name. It said Raynard Duggar. It said my charge, first degree murder. And then in the last right-hand corner, it said one zero yrs So I was like, hmm, I just kept it to myself. I leave that jail. I go to, um, because that was the processing center. I leave the processing center. I go to where I'm actually going to do my time, and I see my case manager. My case manager was a Christian, too. It was finally a blessing to talk to somebody in the system that's a believer. So we were fellowshipping in God, and she's at the computer. She's saying, okay, I have to send you somewhere. Because you have a charge, like a violent charge and a murder. She said, I want to send you to a maximum security, like a supermax. She said, but you don't have a lot of time. So she looked around the computer, and I looked at her around the computer. I'm like, what, are you, what do you see? And she said, well, you have a murder charge, but you only have 10 years. And I'm like, so it's sitting on her paper back at the other jail, and it says it in her system here. I said, how far did your computer go back? She said, well, it's backdated, you know, to the, the day you got sent. And I'm like, "It says 10 years? She said, yeah. I have my papers from the actual day. Because when you get sentenced in any courtroom, you have to sign the paper in the building that day at, in front of the judge that you receive your sentence, that you agree to it. You have to sign it yourself right there. I have my papers on me. And I showed her. And she said, well, there's nothing I can do. I said, so you can't go in and change nothing? She was like, no, that's illegal. (laughs) I'm literally trying to get her to, like, (laughs) do something because in my mind, I'm like, if this is a mistake, I don't want to be living in this false hope. So I would rather face the reality, right, than to live in this false hope. So I'm like, do something. She was like, maybe your printout is a typo. She said because in the system what's here is what was typed in the system that day but i'm like but it printed out this (laughs) so this was typed out and we just started praising god we just left it alone we just started praising god now um she sent me to a prison i went to a, a medium maximum security instead of a super max a medium maximum security is people who have violent charges but not that much time so i went there and now i'm seeing my personal case manager so I'm like, all right, if it say this in her system, Lord, man, so I go see her. No, it was a guy. I go see him, and it's the same thing. So I'm pondering on it, and I'm like, the man said, the preacher said, God told me to tell you only going to do 10 years. So now I have this sentence that I'm, that's calculated from the system that says a 10-year sentence when I know that I got 20 years. I couldn't even enjoy the blessing, though because, again, here's the guilt, the shame, the condemnation, stirring back up. God blessing me again, and I'm thinking about what I did. He's showing that he's good still, and all I can think about is I don't deserve it, and this is going to catch up to me. I'm not thinking that God is being faithful to his word. I'm not thinking that he's showing the love that he promised to show me. I'm not thinking that All of the things that God is doing through my life that he's rewarded me. I'm not thinking about none of that. I'm thinking about this can't last because somebody like me don't deserve this. You don't deserve to be blessed in this manner. You have to still pay for what you've done. I lived in fear of it catching back up to me. Anytime they called my name for like mail, (laughs) I thought they was bringing me back to court to say, hey, we need to change something. We made a mistake. So when I got sentenced to 20 years, my lawyer told me that he was going to bring me back in about six years, seven years to retry my case to see if I can get time off my sentence. I live with the fear of that. If my lawyer was to call me, then they'll realize that my sentence is, is not 20 years. It's only 10 years. And they may feel some type of way and say, oh, no, we're not giving him any time off his sentence. And then the thing that I fear came upon me. and that what Job said? <laughs> One day, I'm in Bible study. I get my name called. Raynard right Duggar, legal mail. Uh-oh. I go to legal mail. Sure enough, it's a letter from my lawyer. I already knew what it was. I opened it up. It said, it said, congratulations. Your reconsideration has been approved. You will come back before the judge to reconsider your sentence. It was three days away. <laughs> I was like... And now I'm back living in this fear, this anxiety, this shame, this guilt, this condemnation. I can't even accept what God freely has for me. I'm thinking that God has caused them to catch it. (laughs) I'm not seeing God for who he is. I go to court, my lawyer, I'm in the bullpen. My lawyer comes and says, how much time would you like to ask the judge back for? I said, I don't know. What are you thinking? He says, well, What's your release date right now? I didn't want to tell him. I mean, I could have told him. I said, Lord, I don't want to lie, so I'm going to stall. I stalled. I said, "Um, in your paperwork, do you you have my papers in your file? I was stalling. I promise. That's literally what I was saying. And he said, you know what? It don't matter. It don't matter. And I was like, thank God. I didn't have to lie. Thank you, Lord. He parted his lips and said, I feel like we should ask for 10 years, how you feel about that? And when he said that, light went off again. I said, it has to be God. I said, because they already, it was 10 years already basically disappeared out of the system. And I already have paperwork that says my release date is upon a 10 year sentence. So if they was to go inside of the courtroom and take away 10 years off the 20 that they sentenced me to, when it print out, it's going to be the same printout that I already have. (laughs) There's not going to be anything that changed for me. I was already doing a 10-year sentence. So I said, let's do that. I immediately was happy. We, I stormed in that courtroom with so much confidence in God. <laughs> and I felt all that love again. I felt the fact that he cared again. It wasn't that he didn't. I just had to understand in this moment that God isn't against me. He's for me. The things that I'm thinking, my past, that that it's hard for me to get over, that's not God reminding me of that stuff. And God isn't holding back things or being quiet to me because he's causing me to pay for something that I did. I just have to grow in God in certain ways that God knows that's going to force you to grow. So in that moment, I was happy. I went in there. I stood before that judge. And he said, I remember you. And that was shocking. I said, how? He said, because when I ask people, what do they have to say when I sentence them? Some people curse me. He say, some people don't say and He say, some people just pass out because they get a lot of time. He says, and you had got a lot of time, 20 years. He says, but what you said to me stuck with me. Now, I don't even remember what I said. He said, but it stuck to him. He said he never forgot it. So he was like, talk to me about why you're here today. I told him why we was here. My lawyer came in and spoke. He asked my lawyer how much time were we thinking about reconsidering? My lawyer said 10 years. The judge looked at me, smiled and said, you got it. Just like it was that fast. He was like, you got it. He said, I believe in you. I said, wow. And there it was. I walked up to the thing, to the the bench. I signed (laughs) the new papers and it said that, I have now a 10-year sentence because a reconsideration is a term where once you get sentenced by a court, they have options later on down the road that you can appeal for and have a reconsideration of your time that you were sentenced to, meaning whether you were doing things good in the jail or whether you they feel you are, are rehabilitated and your life is changed and you're a better person. The judge allows you to come and present to him why he should reconsider the time he gave you, and they can give you a new time, right? And the powerful thing about that is it's like a rule of thumb. It's not a rule, but it's like a rule of thumb. It's an unspoken rule. On a reconsideration, you don't ask for more time than what you already have in. Usually, however much time you have, they bring you back right before the halfway mark. So I I had 20 years, and 10 years would be half. So I went, and I had six years at that time so you don't ask for anything more than six years because he's like why would you want more time off your sentence than you did on your sentence so to ask for 10 years would be like so you're trying to come off your sentence and and it it looks like to the judge that you don't want to do the time for your crime like you just went off so to ask for 10 years and i only had six in would be like rude to ask you even ask for six or less but i just knew it was god God did it in a way where it just had to be him all the way around the board. And then what I didn't know at the time was the judge said it in front of me in the courtroom. He said, and he said, I don't know if you know, Mr. Duggar, but I have a letter in front of me from the prosecutor. At that moment, I'm like, oh, man, what is about to happen now? He said, I'm going to read it to you. It was short, but basically this is what it said. The prosecutor wrote my lawyer and the judge without me knowing after I got sentenced to the 20 years, six years ago. He said, please accept this letter as a recommendation on behalf of Reynard Duggar that -hmm. when he comes for his reconsideration, that Mm -hmm. you will reconsider his time. Mm -hmm. The prosecutor, the one who was just calling me a murderer, saying I was a menace to the community and wanting me to get the highest amount of time on my sentence Mm -hmm. on the day that I got sentenced. He wrote a letter to the judge to say, I believe in the change in this man's life. The prosecutor. And I was like, I was floored. God is so amazing. Now, here it is. I'm doing this this time. And God reconsidered the time. God did. Man didn't. Even though I had to go back to court and make it a like official. It was already written in heaven, and God made it official before it even all happened you. in the natural. God did it. And yeah. because of 10-year sentence, and I had six years in already, because of all the good time I had, I was eligible to come home eight months later. And mm-hmm. I came home, six mm-hmm. years and eight months on a 20-year sentence, by the grace mm-hmm. of God, all God, no good time, no parole. I actually got denied parole, but coming home, I realized, I was like, it's time to run for Jesus out here. I'm going to link up with people, link up with church, and we're going to be on fire for God. Because in prison, Talking about fire? Man, the reason that God had his name spreading throughout the jail using my life is because of the fire of God that was in that place. Miracles. Officers would come on their lunch breaks just to see if we were having Bible study at the time and we wanted to stand by and listen. Mm -hmm. Wanted to see if we were praising God on the tier and wanted to come and listen. Fire. People don't play about God in prison because that's really all you got. So I'm like, man, I'm going to come out here, connect with people, and be on fire, man. I couldn't wait.
0: (laughs) Hallelujah.
3: But then it shocked me. It was hard to find the fire out here. Mm -hmm. I mean, people love God, and you see people going to church but mm. i remember i went to church and the church was on fire but then after church everybody's mm. back to their normal life and it's like they're waiting for sunny to come again mm. and i'm used to having three services a day on the tier every mm-hmm. day i was minister god had me ministering three times a day every single day for years straight Man, i know we had the time to do it but i'm used to people being willing and ready to just mm. go for Jesus all day, every day. And I had an awakening. But I also had to stop and think that, okay, Ray, you were in this situation where you had time. And now I realize that it's not that maybe people are not on fire for God, but life is smothering
0: in mm. fire
3: because they're busy. And even mm. in my own life, I started to see I got a job, I got married. Praise God, had a child, and now I'm busy, and it's like the the habits, the the things that I was doing for God, it didn't dwindle, but it like it wasn't as much. It slowed down. My prayers went from five a.m. to like seven thirty, because <laughs> I'm not getting up as early because I gotta go to work, <laughs> and it started to frustrate me spiritually because I can remember. And I have this, I still have this desire and this hunger, but life is now happening. So now I'm trying to figure out how do I keep this fire burning while life is happening? How do I keep going hard for God when I have other decisions to make? And now I have to choose between God and the rest of my life. It was tough. I went through a season where I feel like I was like trying to spark. I didn't have a flame. It's like It's like this, kind of spark. me and God, I'm hitting, we hitting. I still feel his presence, we hitting, but it's, it's just a spark, and I had to figure out a way to stay on fire. I don't one thing. I never wanted my testimony to be, and I know some people may have this, and praise God, but for me personally, like before. When before I was in Christ, I never wanted my testimony to be a certain way. And in Christ, I didn't want my testimony to be that I'm not on fire for God anymore, that it was a jailhouse religion. That's what they call it. They say, I have family members say it to my face. Yeah, let's see how how hard you go for God now. I had friends that looked at me like it's only a matter of time before he be back out here. And it was those things that motivated me. To say, nah, God is too real for what they saying. It's not even about me. <laughs> I had to realize, yes, God gives us life. We have life to live. In the, in, behind those walls, we have life. You have jobs behind it. You have school. You have real school, like college. You can go to college, like real colleges. You can sign up. If they accept you, then you in college. You have family that you still take care of because most people, they get locked up, and they still have to provide for their family from behind the wall. They have to work a job and send the money home because the family need it. But out here, it's more. So I had to learn that it's not about me. Like I didn't start this fire. So I had to tell myself, don't get back into that space of shaming yourself, feeling guilty and condemned. Don't do that. I never wanted to do that again. Once God freed me from that, I was determined to never enter that space again in my mind. I'm going to believe God for who he say he is in my life. And it literally has nothing to do with me. He chose me. He started the fire. It's like, I'm the match. Faith was the match board And he ignited the flame. Because mm-hmm. if he don't present the flame, you just gonna ah. keep striking. <laughs> right. He's the flame. Amen. Now, I'm on fire for God. Amen. So I had to realize my fire wasn't based off the things I was doing and how much time I was spending, it was because he was the flame that was joining me in those times. So I say, Oh, my life is ministry. My life is God. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when I'm driving, when I'm on a train, if I'm on a Mm -hmm. bus, when I'm at Mm -hmm. work, sitting at the Mm -hmm. computer in a grocery store, I just involve God. I don't feel like I'm robbing God of time because I'm doing something else. I just involve him in it. You're in it. And when he's in it, the flame can hit it. You know, I said, thank you, Lord. I got it. I got it. So I stopped thinking that I had to perform. I stopped thinking that I had to show God that I can put all of this effort in, right, and please him. I went right back to the beginning, sitting on my bump. There has to be another way. I didn't say there has to be Jesus out there. I didn't say, God, if you're out there, I simply said it has to be another way. And then he said, try me. Because he said he is the way. So I went back to that. I said, okay, God, you're the way. You lead the way. Just keep your fire on it. He's been faithful to do it. Have I had difficult times? Of course. It's been times when jobs turned me down. I mean, I'm fasting for jobs. Things that I thought was so ideal for my family. I'm fasting, praying. They look at my thing and say, sorry, we don't hire felons. And I'm like, God, I'm fa- I fasted, I prayed, I sought you, I turned down good food. <laughs> Times was rough. I actually got hired at Walmart, and I was working for about four days. They were still processing my paperwork. And then when my paperwork got processed, they fired me because it came back that I was a family, but they already hired me. I could have looked at God and was like, oh, here we go again, God. You're troubling me again. You want me to pay for something again, God. What did I do now? But I said, Nah. You know what? God said, try me. He's the mm-hmm. way. So I said, You know what? That's right, God. You're the way. If this isn't if this didn't come through, I'm not gonna just try to encourage myself by saying, Oh, God must have something better in store, right? No. I, I faced reality. It didn't come to pass. I said, because I'm your son, I said, Yeah, you may have something better, but it's the fact it's just the simple fact that it didn't come through because you didn't want it to. I don't know what you have in store for me, but it's not that. Because God, my ways, I'm letting you control it. And because I gave it to you, that's just what it is. And if there's a better way, praise God. And if it's something else that's not quote unquote better, because to be honest, Walmart could have been better than some another opportunity. But just because a different opportunity is looks different than the, what you think is the better opportunity, I would rather have the, the one that God says I'm supposed to have because with him in it, that's what makes it better. So I was fine. I had to walk to work plenty of times for an hour walking in the snow. One time the sole of my shoe came off. I'm watching people driving past, just feeling like, man, I'm in I'm close to my neighborhood too. So I'm thinking somebody going to see me, recognize me, man, look at him walking in the snow. That was kind of embarrassing. But again, I stood up straight and said, God, you control my ways. I walked to work from about, I would say about four or five months straight in the snow, in the cold, in the rain. One day it was raining so bad, I had to call my parents to bring me a change of clothes when I got to work. Sometimes you still may go through when you're serving the Lord, but I understood that I'm not going back. I remember my vow that I made to him. I said, I ain't never leaving you. And I meant that. Because if God will be God to me and save me the way that he did, where am I going to go? Where can I go? And now living for the Lord, I've been home six years now. I believe I've been home more time than I've been locked up now. So now that time is actually like it erased itself. Now I can look back and say I served my time. (laughs) I've been home for more days than I was in and God has continued to be faithful. I realize that when you're called by God, and when he calls you, it don't matter what nobody got to say. It's his voice that matters. Sometimes I still think back and say somebody lost their life so I could be saved. I don't get that, but it's not really for me to get because it's I'm here and it happened. I accept it. I pray For everyone that I've ever crossed paths with, I pray. And I know God called. Why he fully called me, is still unfolding. But I know that he hasn't forsaken me. He's still using me. And I can say that I'm blessed. I struggled a lot with calling myself blessed. Because I didn't feel blessed. I felt like a murderer, to be honest. Though I know he saved me, I still felt like a criminal. I still felt like a murderer. Because though his presence was real... What I did also felt real, and I was still like living with it. this question that'll go unanswered about why. But one question that did get answered was when I said there has to be another way. It was, it was him, it was Jesus. When he said try me, I literally do that every day, man. For the past six years, I just been trying him. <laughs> I just been trying him and I don't let the good times make me forget that every day he wants me to try him because there's something new every day that he mm-hmm. want to show me about him So I don't let the good days make me feel like I've arrived I rejoice I'm glad but I make sure that I continue to seek him diligently and try him what do you have today And I don't let the discouraging, I don't let the bad days discourage me anymore and make me feel like he's left me Mm
2: -hmm. because
3: he's still saying, try me in that too as well. So Mm -hmm. my life before Jesus, it's nothing like it is now. His presence has been everything for me. Uh, And I realized uh, that once he came into my life, my identity changed. I had to really accept that. People would try to remind me who I was, mm-hmm. but I had to realize that mm, when you become a new creature in Jesus, that's for real. that's how I live my life. I live my life off that truth, off those two words. Every day I live by, I stand on two words. Left foot on try, right okay. foot on me. <laughs> and I stand on that. And I'm grateful. Amen. Now, Reynard, did you get a chance to share a moment with the family of of the, the person who lost their life? That has been a desire of mine. But the answer is no. If the family's watching right now, if friends, maybe that knew this person, mm-hmm. right, this life, yeah. if they're watching right now, what can you tell them? Um, watching right now? I would say I know you may want to turn this off you probably still watched it because God had you still watch it but I would say that God don't be angry at God don't be angry with him God has plans that's above ours And I know seeing me and having to look at me, someone who's responsible for taking someone's life that you love. It's the last thing that you thought you would even be faced with. And I'm not going to sit here and try to make you feel better or try to appease any anger you may have. You have a right to be angry. You have a right to be upset, enraged. I want to say this. My apologies is not enough. I do regret that decision. I had no hate in my heart towards him. No animosity. There was nothing in me that wanted him to die in particular. It was a moment. To happen. And if it brings any type of comfort. Any ounce of comfort I would say. That I have the deepest regret. And wish that it never had happened. But I do also believe. That God had a plan. Even in that situation. And if you can just not turn and hear it for another second. Because when I said it, it's hard for me to understand how I got saved. That someone lost their life. As I said it, I was immediately reminded that that is the story of salvation. That Christ died for us to be saved. And I know it may be difficult to hear from me. But truth, no matter who it comes from. It's still true, his passing can be salvation for many. God has worked and is still willing to work through his life through his life with minds connected to it. Yes, there was trauma at the source of it, but God has changed the trauma into testimony. That his life and the story of God's salvation through what happened can lead many people to Christ. Not only that, but just know, my prayer has always been that in his absence, God will be present for your family. And I believe with my heart of hearts that it has and that it will continue. That salvation has come to your house and that the presence of the Lord will rest with you, be with you, and that your house will be saved. So that when you think about your loved one, the joy of salvation is coupled with it. I pray you can receive that. Reynard, who is Jesus to you? Jesus is my bunk buddy. (laughs) He's my bunk buddy your bunk buddy is somebody who you like immediately have to trust because it's you two, right? You might not know him from a can of paint, but now you live together. So it's like, when I met him, I ain't know nothing about it, but I'm like, you're here now. We living this life together. He my bunk buddy. We're sharing everything together. (laughs) We looking out for each other. (laughs) And yeah, he lives with me, and I live with him. It's my bunk, buddy. <laughs> not any last words for people who are watching your testimony right now? I would say try him. If those words work for me, I know they'll transcend and work for you. Yeah. And what it looks like to try him is simply allowing him to be who he said he's going to be. Listen, circumstances. Situations, we all have stuff. But one thing about God, one thing about Jesus, he's the answer. When I say there has to be another way, if you're thinking about another way, it's Jesus. He's that way. If you need out of something, if you're trying to get into something, if you need whatever's happening in your life to go right, to be fixed, if you need salvation, listen, He's the only way. And it's proof in that because he'll prove himself. Give him a chance to do it. You'll see.
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mr. Raynard here. And listen, there are several things he spoke about that I can truly relate to. And When he talked about that devil will harass you because he don't want you to enjoy the blessing. The judge sentenced him to 20 years. The preacher told him he would only do 10 years. He couldn't believe that. And so when the enemy saw he didn't believe it, he was all skeptical about it and everything. Then the enemy played on that in his mind. He could not enjoy the blessings of, absolutely knowing you're only going to do 10, not 20. So he continued, the enemy continued to battle him with that, brought him into fear. Anytime they called his name, even for male call, he just knew they was going to call him and tell him they was giving him 20 years.
3: And when I tell you
0: the enemy make that thing so real, it's unreal. Yeah, he makes that thing so real to the person. I remember last month, a month before last, I think it was September, I went to Alabama, Birmingham. And going up there, uh, he tried to put stress in my mind about the traffic. So a lot of Florida traffic flowing into Atlanta. And it took me like over an hour to get through the traffic after I turned off a 75 on the 475. So much traffic to get back to seventy-five and then take twenty heading east, I think. He put so much stuff. I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm about to enjoy this. I got on to Birmingham. Got couldn't find the exit. I found every exit getting there, but got the couldn't find the exit that would take me on out to my hotel. So I called people, and they showed me what to do. And I called Minister Fred, and he showed me how to get back on 65 and ride on out So I found my hotel. Once I got to the hotel area, it was so many mountains. I'm like, what in the world? But it was a beautiful hotel. I had trouble finding the hotel. I didn't go far enough in. The hotel was right down the street. So I called and told me, just come straight in. But you couldn't imagine the frustration of all of that trying to because he didn't want me to enjoy the ride up there praising God and talking to God and praying for folks. He didn't want that. He wanted my mind on some other stuff. And I said, Lord, when I get to twenty. Let it be easy. Don't let it be congested and don't let people... And when I got to 20, they was not doing 120 miles on 20. Usually they do 120 miles, look like. I was able to maneuver in the traffic. I was like, I can't believe But I prayed the prayer of faith so that I can enjoy my trip. And once I got to Birmingham, I wanted to go out and see this person, that person. They had set up for me to come uh, to one of the brothers that we went to the same church. Uh, They had uh, opened up a little place. And that Friday night, everybody wanted to meet there. Well, it wasn't for me to go. And so coming up to that, the Lord said, "Uh uh-uh, no, you got to do something different. I tried to think in my mind, I tried to think, well, we're going to have such a good time. It, it didn't matter. He said no. So the enemy tried to bring all these other things. Because, see, he don't want you to enjoy your blessing. Once God bless you, he don't want you to enjoy that blessing. He wants you to think of everything that might hinder the blessing, take the blessing away, or you won't get the full blessing. That's just his way. Another thing I'm familiar with, he said when he left prison, He was looking for church to be on fire, he said, and he went to church, and when they had church service, it was on fire, but when the people left the church, that ended that. Now, that didn't happen to me when I left prison. That happened to me when I left Birmingham, Alabama, from uh, the church I attended. When I got back to Florida, I mean, it was hard for me to find a true teaching on fire church it's like everything was watered down and it was like people was just working more to make more money and, and it was just weird. But I continued to keep my fire burning and God opened doors and made way. I did a lot of walking because that was my way of spreading the good news of Jesus. Oh, yeah. And some people, they can't do that because Life, as he said, they, 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 they got to go to work. They can't trust God to take care of them. They got to go to work. Uh, they got to do this. They got to do that. They got to do the other thing. But I decided to make Jesus my choice. And i give up anything to do more for him than anything else. And he blessed me. I'm talking about beyond my wildest imagination. He has come in and blessed me. And I'm not just talking about with stuff and things. I'm talking about the way the spirit of God moves. I'm talking about the way he can grow you in him. The way he can increase your faith. He can increase your trust in him. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. And so I am just grateful uh, unto the Lord that I got the chance to know him myself, And this week we'll be listening to a few more testimonies. I know y'all heard about the bishop maybe on, um, I think he was on TikTok. And he, and I think it's his wife, they do a lot of dance. And I believe Steve Harvey had him on his show. And he talked about being the bishop and manipulating women in the church and he smoked crack. So we're going to hear his testimony this week. I was trying to see if we have time, how much time we have. All right, let's take a listen right quick. Listen to this.
4: I did it. I used my leadership, my gifting, Mm -hmm. my position in church to manipulate women. Mm Can I get it
1: honest? Listen, Listen. 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 got to keep it 100. Yes, the only
4: sir. way we get delivered is on, to get honest.
5: Yes,
2: sir.
5: Yes, sir. Yo, what's good? What's poppin'? What it is, what it ain't. What it could be, what it should be, what it would be. It's Cam Newton the some, Mr. Boogie the all. And I'm here to give real good content for the masses and to always keep it funky for your
2: asses.
5: I'm in the presence of a man of God. A powerful person. A person that you've probably seen on your live airways. Probably a person that you've seen with so much influence on social media, and doing it the right way, might I add, Bishop Olds. Man, listen,
4: I'm excited to be here with you, man. Yes, sir. It's a privilege and an honor to be in your presence, man. I'm glad to be um, chosen. Yes, sir. And picked for uh, such a time as this, man. You're doing great things, and I'm excited to be a part of it.
5: So usually, you know, anybody who sees this show, they know, you know, I, I have an infatuation with smoking cigars. Yeah. Right. And we spoke about this off camera, but I, I just want to be obedient and understanding of the person that you are. Yeah. And it's no different than if my father was speaking right here or, sure. or my mother, sure. right? I'm at a point in my life where I, I, I must admonish a person of high value, of high regard, or more or less a man of God. Yeah. You know, um, so I don't want you to think that I'm changing. I don't want nobody <laughs> else to think that I'm changing. But it's just about giving respect, you know. And uh, I think that is important right now. That doesn't make me weak. That yeah. doesn't make you sure. superior. Sure. I think once you understand being at my at my seat, we need more people to understand. It's just about respect.
2: Yeah.
5: And nothing else needs to be said about it. But man, I'm I'm happy to have you here.
2: Yeah.
5: I got a list of things that I kind of want to go. Uh, and and discuss and talk about. And uh, honestly, man, I'm curious to know, what is the process like as you're getting prepared for a sermon?
4: Well, it's um, a tedious process Mm -hmm. um, in and of itself. Right. Because it literally starts with consecrating, um, separating yourself so that you can hear um, from the Creator. Because before I talk to God's people, I want to talk to God. Mm. I want to know exactly what he wants to say right. so that I won't be fishing and missing the people that's in front of me. So it's
5: when, you say, when you say consecrating, that's, a, that's a, uh, a word that a lot of people, well, I'm going to speak for myself, that I know some of it, mm-hmm. but put it in a lamest term when you say consecrating.
4: Well, well, set aside um, uh, your mind, your spirit, your body, um, for the use of God, mm-hmm. um, because in life we can indulge in a lot of things, of course, you know I skate, I do yeah, all kinds yeah. of stuff, and so when i 'm skating um there 's oftentimes i 'm skating to different type of music, which I enjoy right, and i 'm not changing right. <laughs> right but I have to consecrate from that, I have to get alone with God, I got to read His word, mm-hmm. I got to listen to the spirit of God so that I can be. Proper and correct when I speak to God's people right. so it's important of consecration that you separate yourself you meditate the scripture even says when you meditate day and night you should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water so when I'm preaching I want to be able to be sturdy I yeah. want to be able to be focused mm-hmm. and want to be pointed so persons that are listening can get changed. because I'm a preacher that don't like the charm I come to change and yeah. so consecration is part of that process and then, of course, reading the text, understanding the text, and put application to the text. Right. That's very, very important. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have um, application to the text, I believe you abort what God intends for us to hear. Right.
5: I think, uh, man, it's going to be great. I mean, just for me to have access to you uh, in a situation that a lot of people may not even may not have even thought there is. There's, there's an opportunity to create change yes. in, this, in this type of dialogue. I think for me, it's really about, you know, when you, when you make that decision to have your relationship with God, your relationship, and I said this earlier, your relationship is completely different than my relationship. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I think a lot of people need to understand it's, it's this part that is always forgotten. When you're talking, you're speaking Right, mm-hmm. you're not listening. Mm-hmm. Right, sure. there's two forms, and and this is how it was explained to me. There's two forms of prayer.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: There's the the intentional part, mm-hmm. and then there is the receiving part. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. So intentions are okay, God. I want you to do this, God. I, I love you, God. I appreciate you, God. I need you to do this, God. I need you to do that, God. Yeah. Help me, God. Help da 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 da. Yeah. But most people just leave it at that. Sure. Sure. They don't understand. There's a meditation part to hear. Sure. To listen. Every single time when Jesus wanted to hear from God, he was always isolated. Sure. Sure. Always isolated. Especially when there was a strenuous task that was asked upon him.
4: Yeah. You and know? and prayer is is communication. Yes. So you can't communicate properly if you never listen. Yes. And so we petition God, we ask God for things, but we don't listen for the instruction. Because mm. many times God will give us instructions um, when we listen, what he wants to do in our lives, mm-hmm. and we get so caught up asking God, asking mm-hmm. God, but we, we don't listen to what God has. To say.
5: So even to that point, and this is one of my questions that I have, how do you know as a believer, how do you know as a person, man, my life is a living hell right now? Man, I'm going through so much. Man, I just had death in the family. Man, my car just broke down. Man, I don't got enough money to pay my bills or for me to eat. I don't have situations to take care of my, my life my family, my children, but yet they pray, right? So to that believer, to that person who is praying, what would be your approach to that, to say, stay steadfast and, you know, this is how you listen or hear from God?
4: When it goes back to what you said, the relationship with God is personal. Mm-hmm. Once you develop and cultivate a relationship with God, you understand that God is sovereign mm-hmm. and God is providential which means that God works from the ending to the beginning. Mm -hmm. He knows the ending before it starts. So when you're in the hand of God, he orders your steps. And so when you have a personal relationship with God, knowing that whatever you're going through, if God allowed it, it's as if he did it. And so I trust him. If he allowed this to happen, if he allowed that to happen, and he's my God, he's my protector, he's Mm -hmm. my guider, he's my Uh, All in all, Mm -hmm. then I have faith enough to believe, even when I can't see it, that God is going to be all right with me. And so that gives me confidence, but it's personal. Everybody's relationship is not at the same level. So that's why people, they squirm, they go through, because they can't trace God. And sometimes, even myself, I got to trust God when I can't trace Him, when I don't understand what's going on in my life, even as a preacher, Mm. even believing God for a long time, when things get tough and storms and valleys come, right. I have to still trust them when I can't trace
5: them. And that's very right there, man. Listen, do you think that there is a disconnect in old ministry and new ministry? I do. Can you speak on it?
4: I believe that old ministry, which I was a part of, mm-hmm. was inundated with the work of the church or the work of God, mm-hmm. Instead of knowing the God of the work, Mm. this new millennials, these, the new church, they're more caught up with their relationship with God where they are. Right. We were brought up. You had to do this. You had to do that. You couldn't go here. You couldn't go there. And when you do those things, you have an enrol to God. Yes. When Christ came on the scene, that's what the old religious beliefs was you had to obey the law. Mm -hmm. You had to go here and you had to go there. And Jesus came and brought this thing called grace Mm -hmm. into the lives of people that if you accept the grace of God, because nobody could get the whole law right. Nobody could follow all the rules. And so this relationship with God is not religious. Mm -hmm. So these young people today, you know, they're not caught up with all the rules and the regulations They want a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. They want to know that God loves them where they are because all of us, like you said earlier, fall short of the glory of God. And it's very important that we get honest with ourselves. I've been teaching. I'm glad you talked about that. I've been teaching lately on Mm self-examination. So, you know, I come from the drug gang. Right didn't know that I, I was a, yeah, I come from the drug game. Mm-hmm. I sold dope when I went to uh um, Howard University I started selling You were dope. To yeah, went to Howard. Yeah, with Howard. Well,
5: my yeah. brother went to uh H U. Yeah. Or oh, no, as they say, the real H yeah. U.
4: Right. So mm-hmm. we so in the mid eighties, yeah. around eighty five, um, crack cocaine hit the scene. Yes, sir. And I got caught up, um, with freebasin mm-hmm. and then I got strung out on cocaine and crack. Yeah. And so of course I went through rehabs, and I went to jail, and I went here, and I went there. But when I finally made up my mind that I really want to get my life together, Mm -hmm. I had to go through some stuff and learn about who Vance really was, because drugs was never my problem,
5: Mm.
4: right? Vance was the problem. And so I had to do a lot of self-examination. I had to deal with some personal stuff that I really didn't like about me. It didn't have nothing to do with church. It didn't have nothing to do with God. It had everything to do with who I was.
5: Accountability.
4: Accountability. So I had to make some Mm self-examinations. I had to find out my self-centeredness was the core of who I was, that I was selfish, Mm -hmm. that I I had low self-esteem, that I was insecure as a man. Mm -hmm. And I had to deal with that. And I dealt with that through relationships and resentment and bitterness and anger. And all this stuff was built up on the inside. Mm -hmm. So I would dress up like Versace on the outside, but I felt like Kmart on the inside. No, you wouldn't. (laughs) Yes, sir. Not (laughs) Kmart. 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 It was a facade. And that's what the church looked like.
5: Yeah.
4: The church is the outside job. You were talking about Samuel earlier. Mm -hmm. And Samuel, when he came to choose David for the next king, he said that man... Looks at the outward appearance,
5: and he hadn't. So, so let me let me get my little flex on right. Now, <laughs> Samuel went to I, I can't remember the name, but he went into the tribe to 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 ask for the sons. Jesse, sons of the Jesse. They kept ask, they kept bringing one. Oh, well, you gonna like him? He's right. so strong and that. Uh, uh-uh, that's not him. He was waiting for a sign from God. He sent another one. Boom, another one comes in. You're like, uh, you sure, God? Man, this one he's tall. He's strong. He's Almighty. Blah, blah, blah. Uh uh-uh. uh, not him either. And son at the son at the son at the son at the son. At the son. He could have bought a thousand sons. Listen, watch this. I just heard something.
4: That's the distinction between the old church and the new church. Mm-hmm. The old, the older sons, they looked apart. The yes, sir. But the younger son is the day's church. God looked at his heart. Mm. See, we we had this formal fashion. you had to go here. You couldn't you you couldn't wear. When Women can wear dress. Women uh, right. wear pants. The outward appearance. So that's what the old church looked like. Yeah. The new church, they just love God. Yeah. They want God yeah. right where they were. David was in the sheep field. Yes, he was. Tending the sheep, picking yeah. up sheep dung. Yes, he was. Blowing kisses to God. Yeah. Saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I shall you. not want. Yeah. yeah. And, and sadly said, that's the one. Mm-hmm. That's the one because he loves me from his heart. Mm-hmm. Jesus said this. To all the religious people, Mm -hmm. you look like white sepulchers on the outside, but you look like dead man bones on the inside. You blow kisses with me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. See, it's not about how you do it, where you go, who you with. It's your heart. Mm -hmm. Blessed are the pure in heart, Mm -hmm. for they shall see God. Mm -hmm. See, that's what God did. And many of us, even in the church, we need to circumcise the heart. Yeah. We need to pull it back, cut it off, and throw it away.
5: No, man, they don't like that.
4: Circumcise the heart. They That's what like the that. Bible yes. talks about, getting this clean heart. Because yeah. God ain't looking at our rules mm-hmm. and religion. He's looking at our
5: hearts. Yes, sir.
4: And when you got the love of God in your heart, mm-hmm. you won't be judgmental. Yes, sir. You meet people where they are.
5: Yes, sir.
4: You love them where they are. Yes, sir. You don't act arrogant. Mm-hmm. Cause when you got the right heart, God says there's nothing I withhold from
5: you. Man, listen, I think uh, <laughs> this here recent man, you man, you man, you own something right now, Bishop, and I, I'm trying to keep you in your phase. You know what I mean? Cause you feel like you, you like Samson. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? Your hair keep growing long and long and longer, longer. you keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger. But man, this was placed on my heart a couple of days ago. I was talking to a business partner of mine, and I told him, and 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 we have a working relationship, right? And I'm invested in a company that I've known little of him, but more or less just trying to educate myself with this process. But needless to say, he said something. He said, Cam, he said, bro, you ain't got to worry about ego with me. Mm -hmm. Because ego for me is an acronym for easing God God out. out. Yes, sir. I said, oh, man, you said something, brother. And I said, man, what you even saying me, telling me that, bro, that's my accountability for me to always do right by you. Mm -hmm. And... God, he doesn't like you said, he doesn't look on the outer realm. He looks at your heart. That's right. And I always tell people that's close to me, I'm not a verbal person. Mm-hmm. A lot of people may say, Man, Cam, bro, you gotta you gotta be a little bit more softer, man. You gotta, you know, follow up and do this and do that. I tell even even my partner that's in my life right now, I tell her, I said, Babe, look, I'm an action person. Just because I don't tell you I love you, sure. I'm gonna show you I love you. Sure. I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm gonna I'm a make sure that everything that you need, that's the type of person that I'm gonna be for you because my father,
2: mm-hmm.
5: my earthly father was the person that's who he was for our family. Sure. You know what I'm saying? But that didn't make him either less to say, I already know if anything hella high water come to come come down to me, I know my father's gonna be there. My father probably never we've never kissed. We probably when we hug it's only on a man hug, you know what I'm saying? We haven't really you know, had that intimate type of relationship. But I know, and I've, I, it took me some time to understand that I know who my father is to me, and I love him for that. Yeah. And I think my, my, my mother, she brings out a different side of me just like anybody else does. So, you know, for that, for that specific moment, I think you, you, you have a moment that you have to tap in and say, man, listen, I want to be my best version of myself internally, and every single prayer that I pray, that I pray, I want people to see the God in me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there's some issues that I have. I've been trying to fight my tongue for years and years because my younger brother, who did go to Howard, he just graduated with his master's from Auburn. He is now, wow. you know, going to uh, awesome. William and Mary right now. Yeah. Um, he's just been there for a week, I think, right now. But he he doesn't curse. Yeah, so I said, man, I admire that, man. But I just, my road to, to 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 my walk with God is completely different than his walk with God. You know what I'm saying? But your heart, your mm-hmm. your heart. See,
4: love is the law
2: mm-hmm.
4: of Christ's kingdom. That's the, one word. Love
2: mm-hmm.
4: is the law. Jesus said this one time, man. It 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 blew brutal disciples mind because he said the world would know that you are my disciples by how you love one another mm. that's, that's how, not, not how well you can preach not how well you can sing yeah. not how well you can administrate not how well you can do business they would know that you're my disciples by how you love one another.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And that's tough. Yeah. Because people can be flat out crazy. They can. But we got to love them or love me through it.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And when you have that type of agape love that's unconditional, yeah. mm-hmm. right, that we can love people um, through anything.
2: Yeah.
5: And that's the law of Christ kingdom. But I'll tell you this, though, pa- uh, Bishop. it's It's tough because... Anybody who knows me know like I I keep my uh my circle real small. Mhm. Right? Yeah. And I know my heart. Mm-hmm. I know I love hard. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I don't it takes a person to be burned to uh, avoid from being or burning somebody else. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So it even even with us. like... And 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 I understand who you are, who you are. But I'm so comfortable with having a cushion between so many different people. I I, yeah. I communicate with people on Instagram. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Multiple people, male, female. You know, young, old. But I keep that cushion for Instagram, not to allow them to have my number. Sure. So you know, even when you when you was reaching out, man, here go my number. Dah, 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 yeah. I, I'm just so trained. Sure. That because when you come in to yeah. me. Sure. It's nothing that I wouldn't do for you. You know what I'm saying? And that's a a strong word, but I'm telling you, I love hard. And I know there's a lot of people out there that feel just like me because it's like, man, when you do pour into a person and they do become your Judas Mm -hmm. and they do betray you, when they do have all these different things, man, it hurt, man. It hurts. It hurt. Mm -hmm. And then it creates this wall where, okay, this person did that. Okay, that person did that. Mm -hmm. Okay, that person did that too. Okay, that person did that too. Now you're shielding yourself Mm -hmm. from the realness of, you know, somebody else. else. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But am I to blame? Mm -mm. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, going through this thing that we call life, man, it's all about building relationships and understanding and knowing that. Listen, and I was having a conversation with my girl, uh, you know, even this morning just talking about, babe, like, you're going through a different phase of your life. You can't keep saying, "Oh, that's my best friend." Yeah. No, that was your best friend at that point in time. Mm-hmm. You saying that that's your best friend now? That's not. That's not your best friend. That's that. That's your acquaintance. That's mm-hmm. your. That's your friend. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, we follow each other on Instagram. We always keep a. No, no, no. But does that does your best friend know your mom? Mm-hmm. No, I ain't never. Had... That's not your best friend. Mm-hmm. Your best friend knows everything about you. Mm-hmm. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? And I just want people to understand. It's like, man, you gotta, you gotta always warrant what you say and how you say certain things. Because my mama was the first person to tell me, boy, there's power in the tongue. Yeah. Careful what you say now. Be careful. Be careful. Of the blessings that you bestow over people, or the de- demonic spirits that you bestow on people That's as right. well. That's right. You know what I'm saying? That's right. um, yeah. Life man. and
4: death is in the power of the tongue. Mm-hmm. Your words, your declaration. You know, man at the end of the day it's a process
2: mm-hmm.
4: for everybody. Um now I've been I've been drug drug free for like 29 years. Mm. Um but it's a process, it's a sanctification process. Once you give your life to God, then it's about working on self. Mm. That's so important. I think I think persons today Spend a lot of time looking at everybody else's stuff
2: Mm -hmm.
4: instead of self-examining ourselves. Now, the Bible, the the book that we read, the Bible is not a window so you can see everybody else's stuff. Mm -hmm. The Bible is a mirror so you can see you, Mm -hmm. so you can have a personal relationship and a development so your character can change. But it's a process. Mm Then I used to smoke Newport. Mm. I loved men running women. No. No, I'm telling just- yeah. I'm telling you, man, I was the biggest trick it was. No, you weren't, man. I'm telling you. I tell my wife while she gets mad, I say, man, listen, I love women, but yeah. I'm only in love with one woman. Yes, sir. And so I had to get delivered from that,
2: mm-hmm.
5: even in church. Can I get honest? Yeah, man, come on now. As a preacher. Come on now. As a preacher on in church. I see it. My father's a preacher. Yeah. I see the woman that's in church, and they come in, and, you know, as they would say, you a wolf in sheep clothing. Yeah. And a lot of women, and a lot of, not. I'm not going to be specific to women, a lot of humans use that as a ploy to get closer to somebody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. You see what I'm saying? It's a lot of different things that you can kind of, you know, shape and form, and you can say the right things, but over time, time's going. I did it. Mm. So I know it's to be true. Yes. I used my leadership.
4: My gifting, Mm -hmm. my position in church to manipulate women Mm -hmm. to have sex with them.
2: Mm -hmm.
4: I've done it. Mm -hmm. I literally was in ministry and got
5: caught. A girl went back. Can I get it honest? Man, listen, No, 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 no. As we said, can we keep it funky? <laughs> listen, listen got to keep man, it 100.
4: Yes, the only sir. way we get delivered man, is on, to man. get honest. Come, come on. And so, uh, now this was all before I got married. Yes, sir. I became a pastor. Yes, sir. I was a straight up womanizer. Mm-hmm. So I was manipulating the girl in church. Mm-hmm. She caught her feelings, mm-hmm. fell in love, yes, sir. and wouldn't go tell the pastor without me. Mm-hmm. So the pastor made me sit down, took my position made me go to counseling to deal with power, money, and sex.
2: Because
4: mm-hmm. I had to deal with this lusting devil yeah. that I had on me taking advantage of vulnerable women yeah. that God loved. Mm. And I had to deal with that thing. Mm. And I had to read Psalm 51. If you notice now, David, when he committed adultery with Bathsheba,
5: Yeah, nah, 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 right, hey, right, right, right. that's the only time he uh, he displeased God. Yeah.
4: On the balcony. On the balcony. He saw her in the riverbed.
5: Yes, sir.
4: And so and he wrote the Psalm 51. Mm-hmm. That psalm was a repenting psalm because of the act that he did, because he had Uriah, her husband, killed on yeah. the front line. Yeah. And he said stuff like, Create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me, restore the joy of the Lord of my salvation. But notice in that particular, that entire psalm, he never mentions Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. Now I know it takes two to tangle. Yes sir. But he never mentioned her. He kept the focus on himself. Mm-hmm. And he began to and then God says, I'm calling this man a man after my own heart. Mm-hmm. And I said, God, how you gonna call him a man after your heart? He committed adultery, took the man's only wife, had the man killed yep. mm-hmm. on the front line, and the Lord says, When he repented, he never did it again. Mm-hmm. And that's our problem. We don't repent. We repeat.
2: <laughs>
5: hey, but, I'm, but, 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 but can we keep it funky, too? Yeah. I'm talking about real funky. Real funky. David, how many wives did David have? Man, he had tons of wives. How many concubines did he have? Tons of them because his son, Solomon, Solomon. had three Yeah, come on now. Three thousand. So, so for those people who, who, who see a situation like this and they say, oh, Ken, that's the Old Testament. That's the New Testament. Let's speak on it. As far as relationships, it's always been known to, to, to the world. Which one are you more likely to hear? A man with multiple wives or a wife with multiple husbands?
4: And That's, that's
5: a hard question. That's something I never thought about. But I'm asking you, which one have you heard more times than not? A man. man with more women. Right. Of course. Right. So there is obviously a disconnect with a double standard being displayed from the beginning of time. Would you say so? Yes. Yeah. My issue is for as direct as the Bible is, mm-hmm. and I'm going to hurt some people's feelings. That's okay but I'm just keeping it funky. And I'm loving where we're at right now. (laughs) The Bible never specifically says one. It says a, but it never says one. Now it says at one time when they're talking about a deacon in the church, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to have one wife.
2: Mm -hmm.
5: So when people talk to me, I'm very argumentative. I love to debate. I went to school. I got a degree in sociology. I took some psychology classes in order to get my degree. I love I love people. Right. Right. And I just know how how they think. But in order to understand people, you have to get to the root, sure, right? A lot of people that I come in contact with have or are battling relationship issues. Sure. So, when I talk to the males, and I talk to the females, you know, I love to tease them in a sense of, of knowing the word to the degree or knowing, knowing certain situations in life, and it's like you can't sit up here and state the Bible and not know the Bible, right? right? Mm-hmm. This is a thing that even I have to warrant myself with speaking to you about because it's always an issue, not an issue, but it's always a healthy debate when I'm talking to my mom about it, sure. when I'm talking to my father about it, in sure. situations like that, because it ruffles a lot of people's feathers. Sure, see what I'm saying? So I would say the person that I relate to the most in the Bible was and is David.
4: Okay.
5: Right? Mm-hmm. Because he wasn't the he wasn't the strongest. He wasn't the the, the tallest. He was a person who wanted God's heart and in return God gave him everything his heart desired. Right. And it wasn't even a part, it wasn't even about Bathsheba. Mm-mm. Because if he if if David as God would say, if David went to God and said, you know what God, I want Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. God in some way shape form would have gave it to him. Mm-hmm. Right? How crazy it looked like. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think we live in a day and time now where it's like we have to understand, listen, your relationship is one thing, but but there's a lot of people in search of something that they're not holding themselves accountable to first, mm-hmm. you know. And when you have certain situations, as I will talk about in the Bible, the, 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 the great book, there were a lot of favored men that had God's favor mm-hmm. that had multiple wives. I'm not saying that I... That that I want to have multiple women around me and it's an okay. I'm I don't I don't believe in that. I don't condone that because of the morals that that was been instilled and implemented in my life. Sure, but it's still there though. It's still there, and it's still happening. And it's still happening. It's still happening. It's still personal. Um, for me, like like
4: it goes right back to it's personal. Mm-hmm. Your relationship with God is personal, and so we have to allow people to be where they are with their God. Yeah and not be so judgmental and and sending people to hell because we don't have the final rule to anything. For me, because of the way I was raised and because I knew the Lord Jesus left us two commands when he left. Now, when he was on the scene, he was in the Old Testament, of course. Mm -hmm. New Testament doesn't start till he gets up from the grave. Mm -hmm. So he was in the Old Testament. And they was in a time of dispensation of law. Mm-hmm. And so he said, I didn't come to destroy you. I came to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. But he said, I'm going to leave you. He, this was his last words. I'm going to leave you with two commands. He says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Because I told you love is the law of Christ's kingdom. Yes, Here's the two commands. This is going to bless everybody. If you get this, you got it all. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one is likewise the same. Love thy neighbor. As yourself, that's the law. Mm-hmm. Now, if you love your neighbor as yourself, then there's some things you won't do to others
5: that you don't want done to you. So, to that point, too, mm-hmm. right? There's always a, you got many different gods, right? Prophets, right? Religions, yeah. Creeds or whatever. Mm-hmm. When you talk about Muslim, when you talk about Buddhism when you talk about uh hinduism hinduism yeah. when you talk about mormonism yeah. when you talk about seven day adventists when you talk about all these other ones that I'm that I that I'm just forgetting uh, lost for words yeah the common denominator mm-hmm. is do unto others as you will want them to do unto you simple and plain mm-hmm. in some way shape form in the quran is going to say it's going to have it in a type of way but the thing is with those creeds that anybody goes by and live by, the thing is, what makes Muslims have relationships or multiple wives? You feel me? That's just always been, you know, my kind of thinking and theory because it's like, man, wow! Like for us to be so much alike, and I hear I had a conversation yesterday uh, with a talent, and she said, you know what? One of the things that I need my partner to have, she was single. Yeah. She said, one thing that I need my partner to have, he has to have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. I said, I received that. Mm-hmm. I said, let me, let me ask you this, though. Your religion is what? She said, I'm Christian, mm-hmm. devout Christian. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, cool. But what if the man is Muslim? Mm-hmm. Do you still see like, you taking him serious? She sat back. She said, ah, that's just something we're going to have to talk about
2: hmm.
5: So in that type of situation, how does that even what's the right way to go about it, though? Because I've seen multiple situations where in most religions, the male dominance will make a woman believe in what she wants to believe in or or make make her believe in what he believes. Mm-hmm. About it. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Because in a Muslim religion, you can't be a Christian if you're my woman. Of course. And it's supposed to be like that in the
4: Christian relationship right. because it's unevenly yoked. It'll be a difficult spiritual mm-hmm. relationship. Now, I've known several older couples that the wife, wonderful lady. Yes, sir. A Buddhist. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. She's 90-something years old. She did, used mm-hmm. to do telling on my clothes. Mm-hmm. And her husband, they've been married over 50-something years. He's Catholic. Mm-hmm. And they they got wonderful children. They got a wonderful relationship. They love each other. And she got her altar in the living room, and he he does what he does in his garage. Yeah. And so, um, they were shared that it was difficult, but mm-hmm. they didn't indulge or they didn't bombard each other spiritually.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: But for me as a devout Christian, it it's, it would be hard for me to not have a woman that's a Christian because. When storms and trials and tests and trauma and, and valleys and, and, and all sorts of things come that way, I need a woman that can pray with me that I can agree with spiritually. Right. Now, I ain't talking about going and put our money together to get a house, a car, or get some groceries or buy some clothes. We can go shopping and, and go to sack and spend some money, but we can agree on that. But when it's time, when there's a storm to hit my house, and I'm saying, baby, we need to pray. Right now. Right now. And we need to be in agreement. Right? right now, right now, and we need to be in agreement spiritually. Mm-hmm. That's the struggle.
5: Yes, yeah. that w- that will be the struggle. That will be the struggle. Right
4: now, everything else. I mean, you know, um, it's cool, but 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 I ain't a spiritual man with a relationship with God through Christ that I cannot live without prayer. Mm-hmm. And my prayer knows, doesn't have to be like your prayer. It's personal with my relationship with God right. because it's a process. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about earlier, it don't have to be these and thousands, oh, great, I'm not, I'm not. It don't have to be all that. When, 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 listen, listen, listen. When Peter got out of that boat and walked on water to Jesus, mm-hmm. the Bible says he was walking on water. And then he took his eyes off of Christ and he began to sink. Mm-hmm. Here's his prayer save me
2: that's it mm.
4: it wasn't a long 30 minute prayer with all these big words he had a relationship with christ two words save me christ reached down with his right hand picked him up on the water they walked back to the boat mm. on the water so your relationship is your relationship mm-hmm. but it's hard for me uh to, to pray uh, with someone that we're not in agreement. So how can two walk together unless they agree? So spiritually it would be difficult. Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying it won't work mm-hmm. because I've seen it work. But it would be difficult.
2: Right.
4: Now the woman that you mentioned, she said that I'm a devout Christian. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you said, the, sh- the man would be dominant in any spiritual relationship. Mm-hmm. If I, When I met my wife, my wife was Indulging a little bit, she wasn't devout. The mama was your overwitness.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: right? And um, and she's always say, "You ain't gonna change me." <laughs> now I didn't meet my I didn't meet my wife at church. <laughs> I met my wife at the skate ring. No, you did. Yeah, I met my I met my wife at the skate rink because I still skate. Yeah, and I love to skate. Mm-hmm. I have I fun. It's it. my mental release.
5: Yeah,
4: you know. And I don't skate the gospel music. Mm-hmm. Never did. I've been skating for forty seven years. Mm.
5: And you can groove, too, bro. 47 years. Listen, I see it. I see you doing it, man. I said, man, that's a smooth brother right there, man, because you you get down with the get down, and you lift the leg up, and then you come back with it, turn around.
6: Just for your ears, but also for your spirit. Jesus in the morning radio. And you're with Barbara.
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ma ask y'all to excuse the cussing. I didn't hear that part when I listened to this the first time. So somewhere in there I wasn't paying attention. I was reading something and trying to hear and looking at something else. So I apologize for the cussing this morning. And uh, this guy, we know that the interviewer, he's not professing uh, to be saved, and he's not professing that he's got the Holy Spirit and he's walking in God. We know that. But the bishop is professing. And I, I never heard of a new church. Now, there may be a new church, but I never heard of one. I remember God said, uh, well, Jesus said, upon this rock I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But I don't think the church come on the scene until Jesus. And open Acts. But, you know, today people, if they thing; they do what they want to do. And they cut the old what they're calling the old church. Oh, but there's only one, like there's only one God, one faith and one baptism. But people, they don't believe this and they believe something is wrong. And uh, the bishop, he said one thing that I have to agree on. We got to seek God. That we got to do and pray and ask god to send us to the right place to be taught the truth because a lot of this stuff that's going on now is to impress people and then you heard this bishop say for himself he was a womanizer and i know plenty of them that way i know some of them got in trouble the, the got the wife the, 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 the mistress become pregnant she threatening and to keep the wife and the church from knowing he flipping over hoops and Uh, Running under pews and crawling. Yeah. Because you didn't keep your eye on God. You didn't keep it all God. And I want to tell us again this morning, let your feelings go. You got to have faith and trust in God and know God. Not how you feel. It's not what you think. It's what he said. And we don't want to prove and thin. I, I don't do all of that. I don't argue. I let it go before I do all of that. I don't hell raise. I don't fuss with people about what the word said. And I pray about this because it may be me. Lord, I know you. And if they don't want what I'm telling, you, what I'm telling them you said, that's between them and you. I've done my job. But he wished that none should perish. And I wish that none should perish. Yeah, I want everybody that God draw to come to him. Because we know everybody's not coming. That's why hell enlarges itself and there's going to be a judgment day. There's some evil people. They know it's evil and they, they don't seek God. They just let evil continue to take over. And a lot of these people are threatening the church. A lot of these people are threats in the church. You got a threat in the pulpit. And you following that threat. Antichrist already here. He's not coming. He's already here. And he's revealing himself more and more. But we following the threat. We'll never see the Antichrist coming. We just become a part of it. I heard him talk about the old church. Look, God does not change. And neither will his word. He was that way yesterday. He'll be that way today and forevermore. They took me back and they showed me where back in the days nobody wore pants. Men are women. When I look at different things about the scriptures uh, of the people and what they wore, everybody had a dress on. Men and women had dresses on, if you ask me. Later on, somebody created the pants. And they made women pants and they made men pants because they said women shouldn't wear pants because it's pertaining to a man. But back in the day, men didn't wear pants. They wore dresses too. Turbans and head wraps, just like women, all of that. Yeah. Now, I didn't see uh, them with jewelry in the ear, the men. I didn't see that. And then when I look at Godly women, but I didn't I didn't see them within either. But nonetheless, God is faithful to us. We didn't open the studio this morning, but we will hopefully tomorrow open the studio. So if there's anyone have something they would like to say, please feel free tomorrow morning to press that number one and come in. Let me ask the intercessor today to lift me up in prayer. I need some. Hallelujah. I need everybody who can touch and agree with me, touch and agree with me. And it will be all right in Jesus' name. So listen, we're going to pray out this morning, and we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for all that has been said and done. We thank you truly for your word. But, Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet. And it's a light unto our path. Forever, O oh God, the word is settled in heaven. leading, and guide us, Father, in the right path for your name's sake. With knowledge, and understanding of your word. And, Father, teach us how to apply to our everyday life. Let us do what's pleasing and acceptable unto you. In the name of Jesus, as we depart this morning, Father, bless our going out, bless our coming in, and meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. Father, move for your people today in a special way. In the name of Jesus, we ask it all. Amen. Amen. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another. In the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today, November the 1st, 2022, in Jesus' name. So we're going to our last song of the morning, and after this song, I won't be coming back today. Have a blessed day. God bless you.
1: Yeah, put your hands together right now. Bless you. I don't know where you're listening to this at. Maybe you're in your car you're at the crib. Maybe at the mall, the country club, maybe in the hospital. You could even be on lockdown. But I dare you to get this in your spirit, speak to your situation, and say, it. I will live, oh, I will live oh, yeah. in holy name. Everything in me that we'll oh. oh. And I know that's right. So you might as well put your hands together. Pretty P, can you let them know something? I will let his whole